Welcome to the Tartan Running Shorts podcast, hosted by Tom Bryan and myself, Miles Edwards. Welcome to the show, Miles. Thanks, Tom. So, Kyle is still in Tallahassee, so we've uh, this week guest host Miles Edwards, which is a, a delight. We've got a bunch to talk about. We've got um, some amazing results from Scottish girls in the indoor circuit. We've got Callum Hawkins running very close to a, a PB and a national record. We've got a World Parkland record to talk about. We've got some Olympic news, some Vaporfly news, and of course, the Greggs running out in Tallahassee. But first, Miles, this is the third time you've been on the show. Yeah, delighted to be here. Where are you at then? Tell us, listeners will remember when you were on the first time, you, a bit of background, your 1500 metre pedigree. Now we know, we've, we've, we're here we've reported about your, mile, your 10Ks. Where are you at and what's happening? So, injured at the moment. Um, Deja vu with you. I'll probably spend more of my life injured than, than training, but um, the main focus this year is New York Marathon, which will be the marathon debut. Nice. Um, so training at, training was going well until a couple of weeks ago. Um, a lot of 5K, 10K work and starting to gear towards first half marathon, which would have been Inverness. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately picked up a foot problem um, just after a, a, quite a high volume weekend with a um, 10 by a mile session on the Saturday and then 16 mile long run on the Sunday. And unfortunately with a Cayley in between, which... Oh no. Um, Probably wasn't the smartest thing to what do. What shoes were you wearing at the Cayley? Not my Pegasus. Oh no. <laughs> you need to take the Chris Richardson approach, this, the black swoosh on a black shoe for a Pegasus and wear that to Cayley. That's where I'm going wrong. <laughs> so yeah, just now a lot of aqua jogging um, on the gym bike as well and okay. um, hopefully get it oh. rectified quite soon. But um, yeah, it, it's, uh, I'm staying It's positive. a shame because you had, I mean, you had, I thought you had a really good run at the, uh, the British Cross in Stirling. That was interesting. You know, on a day like that, you know, we, we, I mean, it's been good to see you at the cross country in the last few months, because obviously not being around as much, we'll come to your time in Kenya and, and injury, so it was good to see you on the circuit, and I guess National Cross, probably off now? I'm holding out a little bit okay. for it. Um, I think, yeah, I guess over the years, I've, I've focused a lot on indoors when I was injury-free, mm-hmm. um, then with being out in Kenya um, and with being injured, I probably haven't featured much in cross country since... Yeah. I guess under 11, under 13. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it's been really good to, to get back to it and had some good battles with uh, with Ben and Hamish yeah. and, uh, in Broxburn and, um, I forget the other one, but uh, East District as East well. East District, yeah, yeah. Um, ben was pretty close to me at, at Stirling. Yeah, he's in good um, shape. I think the, yeah, I'm not sure if the course at Stirling suited me perfectly but no, I, would, just, I would have thought so it's the same no. for everyone and it, it was incredible watching the footage after seeing how yeah. know, like so, Chris at the front just floated over it because I just felt like I was wading for the whole race I, I don't know how some people do it I think you're it's yeah it really is a, I think we discussed afterwards it's a leveller I think like that is a real leveller yeah and it, to me it felt more like something like a Bantry Beast obstacle race than, <laughs> yeah. than a cross country because it was the first, I spent the first lap pretty much just laughing because it was it's, uh, it was fun. Good. Yeah. So you've gone. What's it like then? You we know you were a, your background is you know very much track a lot of indoor. How have you found it now? You're you're a road cross country guy, distance guy. How how is that different in terms of like the way you approach it? Days now at boggy Sterling as opposed to an indoor at the Emirates. I think obviously the training is very different and um, Lewis has, has had me doing very different sessions. I remember, um, I think my last session before the Scottish Champs in 2015 was two times 400 metres with <laughs> with a, a long recovery in between, like 15 minutes. And wow, that's a flat out 400. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, that, that session, if you if you run it well, gives you confidence, especially in a tactical race, because it's uh-huh. going to be a 
pretty much a 400 meter burn up at the end and you know luckily for me when I've done those sessions a couple of races it, it was like that mm-hmm. but now obviously you're there's been a transition but you know doing something like 10 by miles a very different yeah, system yeah. that you're working um but I enjoy it it's a different sort of pain you know yeah. I think a 10 although I've, how, how many 10ks have I done three um is that all you've done I think so <laughs> um, I probably started trying to focus on them in injured at the end of 2015 and spent a couple of years out injured but you know from early, late 2017 I was starting to focus on 10k so it's um, unfortunate that it's only been, been um, three but I'm just pulling your your uh, power 10 up here because I, I want to talk about that because you were the your 10k's you were you were really there was you were you were I mean you got that you I remember you running 3152 yeah that was a 3152 not in like the you know your best shape and thinking it's you know that's the start of it it's going to come yeah. a minute at least it's going to come off that and uh yeah that must be really frustrating i think that year when i ran 3152 in in uh, i think it was may in the vitality race the you know the goal uh, yeah. by the end of that year i thought maybe i can really push on and and try and get down near 31 minutes but yeah it was injury again and um i spent i think five months of last year when i was out in kenya um injured again with a a knee issue that was more linked to further up in the adductor but um, yeah it's it, it's frustrating but what else are you going to do you yeah. know, I'm not going to I'm not going to take up darts or something like that it's, it's, you just want to do what you can to get back to it and I think I was saying to Cameron this week you know if I'm learning something with each injury you know mm-hmm. I won't do a Kaylee after a session I don't yeah, know if yeah. it was specifically linked to that but no, I'm quite you're right. going to run out of lessons at some point hopefully when it comes to the you know if there are things that are causing injuries but Sometimes it just uh, it happens and you have to deal with it. But I think you've got. I mean, you know, the channeling your your inner old uh, inner old man, the late great Mel Edwards. I mean, you're dealing with it. You've got to deal with it. the attitude's amazing. You know that you can that you're obstacle after obstacle and you're just cracking on. And I can't wait. Let's hopefully this is the don't touch wood. This is the end of it in New York. What a journey that's going to be. Yeah, I think. Um, you know, obviously, seeing how my dad dealt with with cancer, that that has been a huge inspiration. And it, yeah. you know, you can certainly, you know, when he was here, when he was still with us, and and now as well. But you know, when he was here, I'm not going to come back in from a run and spend days moaning about a, yeah. a food problem when he's you know undergoing chemotherapy. So um, I'll always be positive. I think that's yeah. just instilled in me. Um, but New York's got special memories. I went to watch my dad and his last marathon there in 1997. Oh, wow. I think I was, how old was I? Nine years old or something. Um, oh, wow, okay. And uh, saw him at, I think, three points on the course, was watching oh, nice. Roger Robinson, his friend. Okay. Um, and then again in, in 2014, when I went across with him, yeah. I, I did the 5K. And, yeah. you know, from then I thought, this is the race I wanted nice. to do. Um, so looking forward to it. Do you know, New York, I think it'll be, a, I mean, New York is a marathon I'd love to do. And I guess you've got, it's a challenging one. It's a hilly. It's not. It's not one you're yeah, gonna. With the bridges. Yeah, I mean, you can't expect to go and just lay down time with that. It's almost like a. You you know you're in for a a, a slog in New York. Yeah, and maybe that takes the pressure off a little bit. Yeah, there's I not, think so. You know, you're not going to Rotterdam or it's a different. You know, yeah, still, absolutely. It's only the pressure you put on yourself, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and we'll see. It's hard when some people, you know, some of my friends that are not so involved in running, and even people that are, you know, they say, oh, "What time are you aiming for in New York?" and I just say I've literally no idea yeah. because I've never run a half. Yeah. Um, obviously, with how training's going one month out from the race, you'd have a yeah. better idea, but um, it's new ground for me and yeah. exciting as well. Very exciting. And that's what we were speaking before about, before we started recording about consistency. <laughs> and that's the thing, that like, if you've got, 
I guess the challenge for you is how do you how do you now in February say right I need to train consistently till mm-hmm. November yeah you know and that's the that's the it's an unfortunate it's a challenge everyone faces but you're yeah you're in the unfortunate case of injuries and what's preventing you yeah and I think you know like we said before the I'd much rather be running 40-50 miles every week until New York than yeah, doing yeah. what I've been doing and you know averaging 60 miles for three weeks and then going down to zero for three weeks it's yeah, just yeah. It's, it's not going to work like that so um yeah, looking forward to getting back to running and a bit of cross training mixed in there. And yeah. as long as I can get the quality in, and I think Lewis is going to, my coach Lewis Walker is going to tweak a couple of things, like, for example, having the bigger volume session on the Tuesday instead of on the Saturday, the mm. day before the, the long okay. run. Okay, interesting. Um, which, you know, the way we've got it just now works for, for Cameron and works for a lot of others. Yeah, but it everyone's maybe different. Maybe isn't working yeah. for me, so we'll tweak it a little bit and, and see. I have to admit, I did a, I remember. For London in eighteen, I did. I really upped my mileage. I picked the Jack Daniels schedule, which was too big for me in hindsight. And I was doing. It was the only time I did a hundred mile week. Uh, I was trying to hit ninety miles every every week. I had big sessions on the Sunday with a pretty solid run on the Saturday as well. And I had a really good half off the back of it. But I ended up running. Uh, I was, I'd run two thirty nine Chicago year before. I made a big step on my training. I thought I'm going to go two thirty five, two forty one. It just didn't come together. Frankfurt, where I brought a plan from Robbie, and the mileage was less, but the quality was more, and it was more balanced, and felt so much better. It was it's it was a real balanced. education on, it's not all about pounding mile, it's not all about mileage, but and as you say, how do you fit in that the balance of when your sessions are and when you're recovering? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I think maybe with with for me putting in a cross training day, maybe it just takes that inclination to obsess over mileage away because yeah. you're you're chopping a whole day off, you know, and you're not going to yeah. be trying to go for. That you know, you, you're going to hit the numbers. I know she's a, a friend of yours, when uh, Eilish McColgan came on the show and she was telling us, I was amazed to discover Eilish runs 50 to 60 miles a week. I know. But she cross-trains. Yeah. Know, she, I think she, did she, she aqua jogs regularly? Yeah, I remember when I was injured, whichever time it was, you lose track when it's just a joke <laughs> after injury, but I remember messaging her and, and asking for some advice about sessions and she gave me some pretty good stuff. Okay. Um, so she spent a lot of time in the pool and I think, was it the 20... I might get the date wrong here, 2013 World Champs or something, she performed very well at mm-hmm. and then ran PBs at every distance right, the following yeah. year off of aqua jogging yeah. know, for a really long period of time. So, um, the it's I mean, it's pretty boring. Yeah, um, it's you know, brutal. Up, <laughs> it's, you're working hard and um, I mean, hopefully just maintain fitness with it. I guess it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's nice to be able to run on a sunny day in the woods and, and all that, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a, it's, if you want, need to put in the work, it sometimes maybe it doesn't need to be all glorious and unicorns and rainbows. So. Absolutely. So what's the plan then? So you've got uh, well, uh, obviously injury pending. You're talking about Inverness is is a is a is a big maybe now. Between allowing, let's say you get back fit between now and New York, have you got a kind of yeah rough line, um, a rough plan? I think the you know obviously the national cross is before Inverness half. Yeah. Um, I just. The Inverness half was the main goal. Mm-hmm. If if I could get back running at the end of this week, um, which is possible, um, we'll see how it goes with the physio um, before then. But if that was the case, I wouldn't rule out National Cross. But I, I have to think, speak to Lewis. But yeah. I would probably rule out Inverness half. Okay. I just think having never done one before, it's a big jump. To that just, load yeah. is probably too high. Yeah, um, so and and arguably for not, what's the value? You know, yeah. it's not like it's you're in peak shaping to take advantage of that. You know, it's. There's plenty of the halves yeah. that you could um, you could push and push it by a month and do another one. Exactly, and I think the, 
the goal after that was Derby 10k to get a 10k time nice um, Derby 10k 29th March which I think okay. is quite a quick course nice so, okay yeah um, and then in, in between before and after that the there's the Southern and English road oh, yeah, which okay. I'll probably do for Thames Valley nice. one of my many clubs Miles, ar- that <laughs> Miles arrived tonight in a Thames Valley jacket <laughs> so I've now seen Miles in the flesh in a Metro vest an Aberdeen vest a JSK vest and now I've seen him in um, Thames Valley kit so all four I'll have to jump on these <laughs> sometime. Um, yeah, so I think if I could, you know, Derby 10k probably then becomes the goal and um, Edinburgh half. Um, okay, cool, yeah. I'll probably have 10 days out in Kenya, not not for, well, I will be training, but nice, okay. for work purposes. Yeah. So uh, after that, Edinburgh half and night of the 10k is I quite fancy. Oh, nice, very um, nice. I've been to watch it before and uh, just you just want to be part of that. It's a... It's a spectacle. We've talked about that on here about going down for the night and ten thousand. I need to look at it, but if it's if there's likes yourself and maybe Cameron and a couple of others, I'd love to go down and watch and just throw back a few beers and, yeah. and, and support it. That's what the sport needs. I mean, look, exactly. It's actually it's it's a polar opposite, isn't it? Of the Diamond League scrapping ten k's and and then an event Which like that making ten k's just exciting and people wanting to get involved. That that's the answer. It's not scrapping them. Absolutely. But it's, it's, in, it's, in, it's interesting where they are. so Sarah Inglis on the show this week which was great big fan of Sarah and she was talking about her she, as you'll hear in the interview talks about her experience at the at the night of 10,000 and she was saying the problem is and you look at the DNF rate and including so Russell Ostrakhan DNF we'll call him out on here it must be so difficult and you know Sarah gives a good discussion of it to not just go out so hard you've got such a big atmosphere it's a big field that no wonder people go through yeah. halfway and just explode <laughs> Yeah, or implode, I should say. So that would yeah. be that would be interesting how you get on there then. Yeah, um, again, the main thing is just it's it's, uh, it's getting to these start lines of J three. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I would go down and watch that even if I nice. wasn't racing because it was it was good fun. Very good. These years, that's excellent. That's uh, well, fingers crossed. Then we start to see you uh, start to see you on the start line more. You mentioned there about Kenya, so tell us a bit about your the workout in Kenya and and uh, and, and what you what you do when you're out there. Yeah, so um, when I first went out there in 2011, it was um, predominant, well, it was only for training. Dan Mulhair, um, great nice. friend of mine and top athlete as well, who mm-hmm. sadly has hip issues now and isn't Does able he? to run. Um, oh, but he was a, a huge inspiration for me. You know, he, he invited me out there. Um, it was a it was a culture shock at first. You know, we were in um, basic, very basic accommodation and... Um, I thought, God, I've signed up for three months of this, but quite quickly, you know, we we got to know people and, and felt at home. And seeing seeing how the Kenyans train inspired me, but seeing how Dan trained was just incredible. You know, oh, really? it was, I I think at that point I was probably training four or five times a week, um, okay. at most. And you know, seeing Dan go out and do double days, and some of the Kenyans were doing triple days at that point, Oof. which isn't so common now. But um, yeah, Dan really just showed me how serious you need to take it if okay. you want to be successful. You yeah. know getting to sleep at a decent time and just being disciplined, getting up for morning runs. And it seems simple and yeah. it's more ingrained in me now, but mm-hmm. back then I just didn't have the focus that was mm-hmm. needed. So, um, yeah, we went out 2011 and then went back a couple of times after that. One of the trips okay. I was injured, um, oh. which is it's a frustrating place to be when you're injured because everyone's running and, you know, everyone's talking about running. But, um, you know, equally, it, it inspires you. So we'll, okay. I wanted to go back and try and achieve what I hadn't on that first trip with the injury. So went back a few times, and then twenty fourteen was when we started fundraising for a children's home called Pavilion Village in Caratina. Nice. And that grew into the Kithimbedros Foundation, which 
myself and Gideon Gathimba, who I met at the, the Sports Village uh, opening mile in 2009, Aberdeen Sports Village. That's where you met him? I didn't realise that. Yeah. Okay, cool. I was, I was, I was one of, or supposed to be one of the pacemakers that day. <laughs> okay. Him and, and Beth Bergen, who had a good run this weekend just past. They were the two Kenyan athletes that came across. Okay. And they met us beforehand and told us what they wanted to go through 800 metres in. And it was myself and Ian Geary. I don't know if you remember that name. No, I don't. Great runner, 400, mostly 400 guy. I don't okay. think he um, runs competitively anymore. But um, Ian was supposed to take them through 400 and I was supposed to take them through 800. And they said, I think it was 1 minute and 54, they wanted to go through 800 in. So they wanted right. to have time in the bank. Okay. And my personal best was two seconds slower than that, so <laughs> I felt pretty uh, useless. And so I pacemate for the majority of the, the Scottish and English guys that were in the race, and okay. he went with those two for the first 400, and uh, they ran three minutes and 57 seconds. Did they? So it was the first sub-four-minute mile in Aberdeen. Wow, okay, uh, I didn't realise that. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great event. That's cool. It was my dad and Fraser Klein that organised it. Right, right. Um, and yeah, from there, I guess, it was just a fascination with Kenyan athletics, and so... The opportunity Dan gave me to go out there and, and train in 2011 was it was a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. And my dad had stayed in touch with Gideon, and then I became good friends with Gideon. And oh, okay. from there we we started started um, doing the foundation work. So it's yeah, it's, it's um, been great. And some of the work you've you've done out there over the years is is amazing. You, I mean, you see the 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 coverage mainly through social media. I mean the I mean the house building and the work you're doing. You know, supporting kids out there. It's it's amazing. I mean, that must be. That must never get old, that feeling of fulfilment. Absolutely, yeah, it never feels like work. And I think, you know, we never envisaged it growing to, to what it has in terms of the number of children we're supporting now. But I think, for me, if you, you know, I think when you follow what you're passionate about and, you know, we wanted to help those kids. And from there, people just saw an opportunity to clearly see where their money was going. And mm-hmm. I, I, I hope that we've, you know, I think we've done our best to continually show that. And, yeah. you know, now we've been able to help a lot more children than just at Pavilion Village and get into house building as well. Um, yeah, that's cool. Which has been a learning yeah. curve for me. Um, but I think, you know, that came about when, if you go and visit, our, our main focus is on education. So paying the school fees to okay. um, for the kids and then house building and now more recently business startups as well. But oh, right. when you go when you go and visit a child and you're you sort of find out about their challenges and you know most of the time you're meeting them at their home you think god we're, are we really doing enough by just paying their school fees they're living in a house some of them had no walls on the sides of the houses Jeez. um you know the majority of them had holes in the roof rain coming in you're thinking of a child that's trying to do their homework was water leaking through or no furniture to you know sit down on that's what led us into the house building okay. so um it's important to find a balance that you don't do absolutely everything for the family mm-hmm. so that you know you can encourage them to to work hard as well and work with you to mm-hmm. be more sustainable and supporting themselves but um yeah it's been there's been challenges along the way but lots of uh, lots of amazing moments as well and uh i mean from an as, a, as an athlete going out and that must be diff- i mean i mean it's a it's an pl- absolute pleasure you're working out in one of the meccas of for athletics in the world i mean that's uh it must be quite difficult sometimes when you're out I mean working is a pleasure but you must be desperate just to go and smash out a 400 yeah. session or something yeah it's uh, it's an incredible place and like I said before everyone is running there and I've met some amazing friends there you know Kenyan and um, from abroad but it's uh, I think that when you you know people ask the question what is it that makes Kenyans so successful and the main the main thing is hard work because okay. they're just so committed and committed to recovery as well. Everything that they do is focused on, 
on okay. running. I mean, not just not just the Kenyans, but like I said, Jake and Zane Robertson, who yeah, you know, moved out there at a young age, and they, I've learned so much from them, just in terms of um, you know, been lucky enough to run with them quite a bit, and mm-hmm. uh, there, of course, there's other factors, there's the altitude, there's the upbringing, but you know, there's guys like Julian Wonders now as well, who yeah, he's who doing amazing by, out there, yeah just by going out there and, and working hard, you know, they're, they're beating uh, Kenyans on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So it's inspiring. So, yeah, you're right. It's a real, uh, it's a real lifestyle choice. One thing I, I was speaking to some of the guys last night, it was quite interesting. You look at the race that Callum Hawkins ran on the weekend, which we'll come to in, yeah. in Japan. And the, I haven't actually seen a result sheet except the top three, but some, one of the guys was saying that something like a hundred Japanese guys were under 65 minutes. Which yeah, is which, stats like that before like, in Japanese races. If, if that's, if that's correct, that's incredible, and you look at that. But then, what's what amazes me is you've got that strength and depth, but you don't have that top end that Kenya produces. Yeah. You know, and, and I wonder whether it's that there's that extra that you know the there's obviously a, a culture of, of, of running and, and training in Japan, but whether that if it's the heart that sort of real hard work and dedication dedication to your craft mm-hmm. out in Kenya that it's maybe the difference. Yeah, I guess two things probably come to mind there with the. You know, growing up in Kenya, when you've already had people who have ran that those top level times, you know, mm. those world records and winning Olympic golds, that automatically becomes the bar. Yeah. So maybe it will just take a couple of Japanese guys or girls to, to run to something through, yeah. really special to to then you know just push others push to do them, it. Yeah. Um, also, it's a generalisation, but most of the athletes in Kenya come from very humble backgrounds, and they're okay. they're running to. To survive and right, okay. you know, it's, I think the the fact that one you know decent road race win in Europe can change your life completely. Yeah, does that encourage you big, to work yeah. a little bit harder? I'm sure, it does. Yeah. yeah, I think it probably does. Yeah, um, it's interesting, fascinating. Right, so let's um, let's move on to some news, and the first bit of news is as coming straight from Tallahassee, where we've had our. Uh, our TRS representatives out there, and actually, it was a win for for Debbie, Debbie Gregg, and the and she's going to get the headline here, not her husband. Uh, a win for Debbie in the marathon in two, 58, get the, 58, 52, which is a PB. I mean, what did you make of that? It's incredible. I read the article as well that it, it wasn't a fast course. You know, it was a hilly no. course. I think Debbie had said that she, you know, thought it was going to be a little bit hilly, but she said it turned out to be very hilly. Very. So, yeah, fantastic time. You know especially not so long after giving birth as I well. It's, it's really impressive and I'm sure that will give her lots of, um, you know, lots of inspiration to, to focus on running. Absolutely. Quite and a bit I, quicker. I'll be honest, I thought Debbie would go in the three hours, but the PB, I mm-hmm. mean, that's a, bear in mind she has trained, you know, she's she's had pelvic issues and, and she'll talk about that herself. Um, in, in, in some of her racing, I mean, recently it's Tilly. And she, uh, yeah, she's running London, so it'll be very interesting to see how she goes at London. Um, I don't know, she might be Kyle. She might be Kyle, <laughs> yeah. So, do you know what was quite funny in the results, right? We were looking at the results on Sunday night, and it came up Debbie Gregg 258, Kyle Gregg 259. And my first reaction was, he's gone and paced her. You know, he's, he's bottled it, he's gone and paced her. And anyway, it turns out, and uh, there's an issue with the results. Kyle will rant about this next week that he, I think he came back across the mat. To go and see her finish, so okay. Kyle, we'll come to Kyle's result was, was was much quicker than that. We'll come to that. And uh, anyway, so it, uh, then I saw that then it had this halfway split at seventy four with a finishing time of two fifty nine. So I thought, 
Christ, he's had a major issue with a blow up. But and he's had to watch Debbie go past him. But no, sure enough, he Kyle is okay. He he just uh, I think it was a hip issue or something. But he he was he Kyle ran two thirty two in the end. So um, he was uh, he is second to his wife to, uh, this week because Kyle is. Kyle was second in the men's race, which is a which is a which is a sole result. It was won by a guy called Brian Moorsman from New York in two twenty five fifty seven. So, um, you know that's a serious run, and you know Kyle to come second in two thirty two is great. So, a pretty successful day for those guys. I don't know if you noticed the um, in that article as well. It mentions that uh, Brian Morseman has run one hundred thirteen marathons. Winning seventy of them, I saw that, which is quite incredible. Unreal. Did yeah. you see the interview with him? He's just like he, he's a regular guy. He, yeah. he looks like a you know he's not. This is not this is not a ringer from uh, you know uh, from East Africa. This is a this is a guy by, by the looks of it a regular bloke from New York. That's amazing. I love his quote. He says, "Regardless if you won sixty nine prior, you never um, you never know when you're going to win another one." Nick. That's pretty sweet. It feels yeah. good to win. Good on him. It's good to see that all those wins have not gone to his head. Absolutely, but I don't know what age is because to run 113 marathons, when we talk about how inconsistent your racing is, and you compare this to a guy who can lace up 113 times. I mean, yeah, 113 marathons. I think for me to find 113 <laughs> races, I'd go back to being an under 11. You've so actually while we're on that one because I really like the stat, you gave me a, a fantastic stat about one of our favourite listeners on the show. Yeah, Magic McDougal. Stuart, <laughs> Stuart McDougal. I was interested because I started to look at um, you know my the amount of times I've raced over the past few years and 2015 was a decent number of races and you know have it I've not been able to run as many races as that in the last four and a half years and I thought Stuart McDougall he must you know average <laughs> a pretty high number of races each year so I looked at his 2019 stats on power of ten and bear in mind this is just power of ten there's probably some racing he's done that's not on power of ten 104 races in 2019 alone that is obscene. And he's regularly racing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, um, in amongst 100, 120 mile weeks. It's a phenomenon. And he doesn't. And McDougal doesn't. I mean, he will definitely be listening. So McDougal, we doff our cap to you. He definitely doesn't hold back. He's not somebody who turns up to just jog it to count the race. Oh, I know. He's giving it full beans every time. And I know that from the the, the weekly email. Thanks, Stuart, for uh, <laughs> what you sent me um, after each race. And it's great. You know, he's he's one of the most enthusiastic guys you can you can meet in the sport. And I just, it's incredible. He's already at nine for the year, year to date in 2020. Amazing. <laughs> it's just amazing. Absolutely amazing. What are we, six weeks in? Yeah, so <laughs> six weeks in, he's ran more than I did between 2016 and 2018. That's, he ran on, he's run on, if I sort this by date, he ran on the 1st of Jan, he ran on the 4th of Jan, he ran on the 11th of Jan, he ran on the 18th of Jan, 25th, 31st, 1st of Feb, 2nd of Feb. Fair, actually, kudos to McDougall. Um, we're giving you a bit of uh, airtime here. This was uh, he ran a park run. He ran sixteen thirty two at a park run in Dulwich, and the next day he ran seventy five or five for a half. That's impressive. It is. I'm not sure I would run either of those times right now. Yeah. You know, he, he's uh, he's also in good shape. Good on you, McDougs. So, uh, well, so to wrap up on on Tallahassee. So yeah, so Kyle, uh, good result there. Um, the winner of the competition from last week is Mr. Cameron Strachan. He was the. We had a bunch of emails and Facebook messages, so thank you everyone who who sent a note in. Cameron uh, was the most pessimistic person, and he's been rewarded with a win. So, um, our rustlers will be in the in the post to you, Cameron. What other news have we got then? Quite a bit this week, isn't there? Yeah. Um, 
What do we start with? The Let's, indoors? Yeah. Um, well, the main one, I think, indoors is Gemma Riki. Phenomenal run, 157.91. British indoor record, which is, had stood for 10 years. Um, so breaking Jenny Simpson's record. Uh, Jenny Meadows, I think, sorry. Yeah. Um, and I think, well, you know, I was looking at the race and it was just the last lap I saw on, on yeah. Twitter. I'm pretty sure a 28 second last lap. Is it all that I long? think. Wow. Uh, which is amazing. Her previous indoor PB, I think, 201. Previous wow. outdoor PB, 203. And if, if you look outdoors, I know, it, I know it's different, but you look outdoors, that would take her from fi- uh, 53rd to 5th on the British all-time rankings. Really? Behind the wow. likes of Kelly Holmes, Kirsty Wade, Lindsay Sharp and Jenny Meadows. What I mean that I watched that video and I didn't clock the times the last lap. What's amazing is she trails Laura Muir at the bell. Mm. So that I mean that's that's one headline. Great you know national record. She was fourth at the bell or just before she, the bell. Yeah, yeah, she was. She came. She stormed through. So incredible finish and to beat Laura Muir and uh, Adele Tracy. I mean that's a and mm. I think the, is it the Gabby Dubas Stafford the their yeah, training partner. Training group. Yeah. So you know some serious scalps there. She's a real talent. Absolutely, and I, you know I, I imagine it. Um, should she'll have been in the shadow of Laura Muir for for a while, but yeah. also you know the upside of that is training training with her and continually you know if you see yourself getting closer to Laura Muir and oh, training, yeah. you're going to have a lot of confidence going and into it, a race. Absolutely, I'll pull you on. I mean, she thing is, it's not that. I mean, uh, there was a we'll talk a bit about the, some of the controversy chat there, which I, I really mm-hmm. disagree with. But she, you know, she's not come out. She's she's come out of nowhere, I guess, on the main stage for a lot of sort of um, you know half-baked fans but you know let's not forget she was double medalist at the under 23s last summer so you know so this is a girl who's not um she's you know she's been she's been improving and um yeah really well deserved absolutely and you know it's it's 201 previous best it's not a certainly no slouch before this it's just a uh an incredible breakthrough absolutely so i mean that's uh i mean andy young whatever he's doing it's uh he's doing it right. I mean yeah. it's uh it's a uh, it's amazing. And the photos are great. It's great to see how how made up she is, you know, and genuinely shocked yeah. by it. It's brilliant. Absolutely. Stuart Miller, um, who was who's with Aberdeen Athletic Club trains in that group as well. Oh really? Yeah, okay. He said it's it's a fantastic environment. Oh, I bet it is. And that you know, that's the for me, uh I mean obviously we've got training with a group of guys and we all we'll kind of have, as you heard last week, all have a kind of our own plan. That would be that's one thing I would love to do is have part of a group, same coach, same goals, and really that training environment that some clubs get. We we're not quite there, but you look at what they do at Central on the Derek Easton. Yeah, I mean that's uh, uh, that's the dream. I know Kyle got a lot out of you know towards the end of last year when you, Cameron, Kyle all out knocking out sessions. Ben and Hamish getting involved as well. You know, three you get the same coach, similar sessions. I think it works yeah, well. Absolutely, and I think you know Gemma Ricky's times are. A great example of how success just breeds success you know because you're and it's similar to the Kenyan example as well you know you, the bar for her even in training is set at a world class level because yeah. you have a lot of mute in front of you so yeah. it's, it's going to drag you on as you say you know if, if and if she beats her training partner she's likely meddling yes That's, so the, we talked a little bit about the sort of the men's side and sort of men's Scottish 1500 metre runners last week so a question for you is which at the moment which female Brits do you think will be heading to Tokyo Oof. Early days, admittedly. Yeah. Um, Elish McCulligan. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking all distances here. I say all distances, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Elish McCulligan, so over 1,500 metres. 
15. Laura Muir, you would expect will yeah. go. Gemma Riki, Gemma Riki, possibly. What would she, so, what would Gemma line up at? Is she I would eight guess or 15? 15. 15. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. The 800's always, um, always very. Because uh, then you've got Lindsay Sharp, Bedell Tracy, that sort of. Yeah, then you've got uh, Oscar Clark as well, yes. who's always very strong yeah. in trials. Um, you've also got uh, Alex Bell, who was controversially mm, yeah. included in the funding, yeah. but you know, arguably had the best year last yeah. year. Um, who else have we got as the distances go up? Marathon wise, is strong. Marathon, Steph Twell, possibly Steph Davis. And the 220, we're going to look at around 225. Um, uh, yeah, Steph Davis. On, well, you've got. Um, Jess. Yeah. Jess Piasecki, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jess Piasecki. Um, I think 10, of course, you've got Ailish. Um, I wonder whether Laura Muir will look at 15-5 or whether she'll, you know, because that's, she seems, we've seen her run a couple of really strong fives or will she stick at eight? Will she, will she, will she double at all is the first question. Mm, I guess it'll depend on what, what shape she's into going into it and, you know, if she's had any injuries in the build-up. Yeah. But I'm always... It depends on the schedule, doesn't it? I think it's it's very possible to double for some athletes, but sometimes you look at it and you think, why are you doubling? Yeah, you know, when when the schedule works against it. Um, so yeah, so anyway, really, it's a really exciting year. I mean, you see to see um, to see these Scottish girls going so well, and I'm so pleased for Gemma Rike. Speaking of uh, funding and whatnot, we talked with Calm Hawkins. So the second bit of news from a Scottish perspective was uh, Calm Hawkins was in action over the weekend. He was running out in Japan at the the race that he ran in and ran in one I think last year the Marugami Half Marathon and uh, unbelievable so sixty oh one for third place inside the stadium record and he was behind two national records yeah Brett Robinson Australia and then um, Japanese runner Yusuke Gura. So yeah, not. Um, I'm, I'm sure Callum, judging by his reaction when he came across the finish line, <laughs> yeah. he's pretty gutted not to have gone it's under 60. But you know what, I run again, and it definitely bodes well for for oh. Tokyo. And have you seen his splits? You see, there's no. a tweet out of his splits, and it was his, his 5k splits are almost are within like a second of of each other. It's see. it's unreal how closely he split that. And we've all been there when you've missed a you've missed the time by like a second and you always think could I have pushed on earlier but I, I'm sure when you've seen the video I'm sure that he was he had nothing left but anyway you're right bodes really well I guess interesting for Callum is Callum is now Callum's going to run he's not running around London he's all at Tokyo so I wonder what he will run between now it's only February he wants to keep himself you know reasonably hot in terms of race fresh so I wonder what what, uh, what he'll do through the year yeah it'll be interesting to see I think um, you know that that race I guess came down to a sprint finish and when you're up against somebody like Brett Robinson who's got a 338 over 1500 and a 1318 over 5000 I'm not sure what Callum would run for 5000 now because I think his last a while ago now I guess yeah 2012 I think was maybe his, his, the last one when I was okay. in but um, yeah Callum is clearly suited to a, well, I guess an even paced and yeah. you know, a really um, honest honest pace from, from the off but Sounds like it was very consistent there. So, I think we're kind of chopping and changing the news here, but I guess one bit of one thing that may affect Calm's chances for a medal on which were you know I think he's Calm is is a champ. Calm is a guy who will will go and he'll look to try and medal if he can. Is the fact that Kipchoge uh, is mm. is now selected for the Kenyan team? Yeah, which um, is <laughs> yeah, he'll be a tough man to beat. Yeah, well, it pretty much rules out one medal. That's the pro. You know, for the problem for Calm. It, at least at the Worlds, it was kind of, he had that, he, he ran so well to come fourth and now 
Kipchoge, you know, you kind of think, is everyone else is running for second place now? Yeah, you never know. Kipchoge's been so consistent, hasn't he? You know, he's won, what, 11 out of 12 marathons now, or was it 12 yeah, out of 13? Something ridiculous. Um, and a very strong Kenyan team as well, which we'll maybe go on to, but... Yeah, I remember in Rio when Kipchoge won there, that was pretty slow through the first half because Hawkins sat at the front. Do you remember that? Hawkins yes. went and sat at the front yeah. with his white hat on for a long time and then Kipchoge eventually turned the wheels and, and moved off and I think Rupp got bronze, perhaps, uh, from yeah, memory. Yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, Hawkins is in better shape than, than he was then, so there's no reason why that still doesn't mean he can't, he can't do well. So, anyway, great result from him there. Um, I see Charlotte Purdue was also running there, second place... 68.23 was she think. second wow yeah um, not far off her PB her PB okay. is 68.08 so good run that's really interesting well. yeah that's because I, I tell you what the London for the women's <laughs> side is outrageous yeah for the British women I mean and she'll be pleased to run that because obviously you've seen <coughs> Steph's run a, P, run a PB in Houston yeah uh, we know Steph Davis is in shape for having run pretty quick recently so yeah that uh, it's gone from being like two, three years ago, you would have thought Charlotte Perger was a shoe-in for the team. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you've got four or five, Jess Piseca you mentioned as well. It's fantastic to see, you know, because I remember watching London Marathon years ago and, and there wasn't that depth. You, know, mm-hmm. you had Radcliffe at the front end and then you had yeah. Mara Yamauchi, and, yeah, yeah. but not many others, you know, in there. So it's it's great for, for UK athletics. One thing that's coming up are the US Marathon Trials, a format that I really like, but I guess it it's... It's difficult because you're creating a mass event that doesn't really support a, a mass participation. What do you think about? Do you like the format we have here? That it, it's always at London as a trial, or would you would you be more keen just to see a straight up shootout between the contenders? I think a straight it's a straight shootout. You know, I think that would be really exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. The good thing about London is you know that there there is then quite an interest beyond just the podium places. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that. You know, there's someone like Callum isn't going to finish on the podium because he may yeah, well. True, be, but, yeah, true. Um, yeah, it's advantages to both. But I think uh, I think that's exciting. I, I mean, my frustration with London when I'm not running it is always that you lose the British guys. The cameras are not on them. That's the thing. You the don't get enough coverage. Of it. Yeah, and it's not a frustration with the BBC. It's not difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Just put a bike next to the lead British pack. Yes. I mean, so you're looking forward to you know seeing who performs and. You know, hoping that Robbie gets yeah. gets up there, and then you, you end up you're, you're watching his chip on a website. Yeah, you know, it's not that should, could surely be improved. So you think because at least with the US trials, you know because it's that's all that there is to watch is you're going to see the the front. Um, Maybe a red button, some red button action. Yeah, so yeah. Be able to to follow the. If there's any BBC um, media people listening, that's what we want. We want to see uh, we want to see the red button coverage of of that. What would be yeah. what would be amazing? I mean, this day and age, you need to get to a stage where you can. You can have a split screen with like you can put onto your TV the f- people on the track show you on the map get their splits cut you can yeah. see McDougall through halfway in, in seventy <laughs> minutes <laughs> and then you can track him that's what yeah, yeah so um, but speaking of female runners there was also a, uh, a very quick five k over the weekend with the, yes there was yeah. with Charlotte Arter now that's or, or we're speaking about the park run yeah yeah one second off her. Um, her previous part of the world record, fifteen forty nine, not far off her five k PB actually. What's her thirty nine? Is that where her PB is? Yeah. Okay. Um, I always think it's cool when you see park run getting like really top class standards. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It's it's brilliant. Same course as well that she ran the previous world record on okay. Cardiff. So, if What's you're looking for a quick course, that's maybe one to 
Picard if nothing else to look at um, other news we'll go back indoors um, Val so you, I'll let you go for this Miles this one, one of your finds the Washington indoor yeah I thought it was just interesting to see Evan Yeager back quite a um, mm. you know a, a really interesting character and um, <laughs> you know he's done well he's really broken up the African dominance in the in the steeplechase in mm-hmm. the major championships in the Diamond Leagues as well and the last time he'd raced was August 2018 I think when he finished third in the that Diamond League final wow, yeah. okay. um, so coming back from injury to win a mile in 3.56 is, is pretty good going just cool. um, beat one of his teammates at, at the finish by a second or so um, some British interest there as well with Mark Scott running 7.49 to win win the 3k okay. um, and a pretty impressive double by the American Houlihan 4.23 in the mile and then to follow it up with a 2.01800 you wonder what she would do over 800 without yeah blame me on Mark Scott that's another that's an interesting British performance there that's he's someone who's dropped off the radar a little bit he was like he seemed to be the hottest thing in athlete, in British athletics a couple of, you know not so long ago when he ran mm. he won a couple of was it 10Ks he won and um I don't know what he'll he'll be shooting for probably what, a 5,000 slot I guess at Olympic yeah I would guess so yeah with, you would assume Butcher's going to take one of them. We do, is Mo, do we know if Mo's planning to 5-10 double when he says he's going back to track? I'm not sure, actually. Yeah. You think surely Mo, that's a big, that's a ballsy to try and... Yeah. You think he would go 10? I don't know. I, I would guess he would go 10 only. But. I would guess if he was doing one, you'd think yeah. he'd be the 10. Yeah. Unless he does. Unless he's... Unless he... Because he'll be defending champ, isn't he? Does that, that, does that give him any... It doesn't give you a selection, does it? You still need to be selected for your country. He's going to get selected anyway, he'll be selected, isn't he? Yeah. If, um, it's an interesting one. The, well, but the problem is, so the ten is the ten. The British trial, I guess they can probably. I'm. I don't. I'm not familiar enough with the selection policy. I guess they can pick someone, anyway, and then. The, but the trials at the night of the ten thousands. It'd be nice mm. to see more line up there. That would be incredible. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder. But that's what frustrates me. They should use these trials. The British athletes should use these trials more to say, to athletes like Mo, we need you're gonna you want to run for it. You want to compete. Turn out of the trials. And yeah. it's you know you sh- you know everyone else is going to do it. Yeah, absolutely. It's always the case in Kenya. You know, you're for the track races. Okay. Marathons interesting because the, you know I was an early one. Yeah, pick the teams before the yeah. marathons. But um, yeah, the, in Kenya, it's the, the trials are, You've got are to incredible it. to watch. I've been to see them one time. Really, it's just, you've got all the top but names. That must be incredibly deep. Ah, yeah, it's it's amazing. When is that? Is that because that would be pretty sweet if that's televised? I might try and hunt that down. I don't. I've seen it on the television so in Kenya, it'll yeah, be similar time to ours but June it would make sense for a, a late summer Olympics yeah I'll have to check that out but nice yeah hugely competitive races um, bit more indoors you were mentioning uh, Bethel Bergen earlier on yeah um, so Bethel Bergen the uh, friend of mine Kenyan athlete who came across um, as I mentioned earlier to Aberdeen for the Sports Village opening uh, mile he won the 3k then in 738 um, he's uh, he's just always been on the edge of the trials I think Kenyan trials he's finished fourth a number of times but he, he's so consistent in the Diamond League okay. um, but you know he's, he's somebody that will be affected by the, the 5,000 and 10,000 being scrapped at Diamond League of course um, yeah. races so not so much the 10,000 but the 5,000 certainly for him um, ridiculous decision that crazy and you know I think it, this kind of leads us on to this is why I I thought it would be interesting to speak about this at this uh, indoor meeting in Germany I'm not sure how you pronounce this Carl Shrew. <laughs> um the long jump I saw Jasmine Sau- Sawyer's uh, tweeting about this they, they changed the format so that every jumper had five jumps 
but then they just took the top three from there and they completely scrapped all those jumps that those athletes had had and they just gave the top three one jump each and it was whoever jumped the longest one. <laughs> it sounds like something you did done at school, you know. Yeah, to, yeah. Um, it, what it, I think it's one of a few things recently, you know, along with the likes of scrapping the 5,000 and 10,000. These long jumpers don't want to see this. Why is it happening? Yeah. Distance runner, and I understand, you know, I, or I know the reasons behind scrapping the... the 10,000, does, does the five need to be scrapped yeah. you know, just to make a 90 minute programme? Um, but, you know, is anyone, strange call, decisions. is anyone calling for a 90 minute programme? Who's calling for that? I, I guess, maybe they, sure. do they think that they're going to get more audiences if you go to a 90 minute programme? Yeah, well, I mean, it, you know, maybe I'm not, it's maybe slightly hypocritical because I'm not buying tickets to go to the Diamond yeah. Leagues abroad, but we're certainly watching it on TV. I'm happier if it's a two hour yeah. programme than a one and a half Absolutely, hour. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, Strange, very strange. Yeah, I've been to a few diamond leagues when we went to we went to Rome a few years ago, and and Bolt was running, which was it created, and that was it, it was quite a long night, but it was being mm. okay. We were when you're there, it created a really good build up towards the Bolt show, which was great, and there was some other good, some big events going on. We went to the pre classic in in Eugene, Oregon, oh, wow. and that was amazing. <laughs> that was a, and that was a two dayer. Yeah, you know, yeah, cool. and and I, I was it was fantastic, and I so I struggled to understand. I think also people who are buying tickets, I'm not sure I'd be that fussed to buy a ticket to go and see 90 Minutes. I know, yeah, big effort if you're commuting to get yeah. there. And, um, if, you, if you live in London you have, or Birmingham, you can just wander over to one, fine, mm-hmm. but if you live, you know, if you're an athletics <laughs> fan not where Diamond League is based, it's a, big effort, it's a big effort to go and watch 90 Minutes for a weekend away. Yeah, and, you know, interestingly, I, I don't think Gideon Gathimba would have, certainly wouldn't have had the athletics career he'd had if there was no 5,000s and 10,000s mm. in the Diamond League because he, he was a pacemaker and, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's going to affect livelihoods that, and it's going to what it's going to do in Kenya is it's going to push younger athletes to the roads earlier. And right, they're going okay. to get injured more. It was interesting. Um, uh, Brother Cole mentioned that last uh, year. Yeah, that's maybe. Yeah, yeah, that that was that. That's where they were worried that and there's not at ten k. He said there's there there are more and more coming, but because there's not so many, there's only well there's only three marathon slots. So everyone tries. Everyone will say, well, I'm on the road now. I'll have a shot at the marathon. The Olympics, because if you're not making, mm-hmm. if you're not going to make a, an Olympic, if you're on the road, you don't make an Olympic team. You got much op- not much option except just to race ten yeah. k's on the circuit, which is a shame. And I know not everybody's had a track background, but certainly in my case and, and Cameron's as well, I think we both feel like we've benefited hugely from mm. from you know getting that track speed when you're younger, mm-hmm. and you know you can carry it up to longer distances. So yeah, I think you'll see Kenyan, you know, Kenyan success change quite a bit if they, okay. if they scrap that from the Diamond League because it's you know it's decent money at the Diamond League. Yeah. Yeah, it's really strange, and that long jump one's ridiculous. I mean, that's it's it's like a sort of long jump equivalent of golden goal, you know, yeah. it's, it, which we, which didn't last very long. <laughs> yeah, it makes you wonder. I think from what I've read, Seb Coe's at the heart of quite a few of these decisions. Really? Um, but uh, do you know, I've always I've been really disappointed with Seb Coe in the sense uh, it seems some of the stuff that's come out since he's come in just seems bonkers. There seems very little logic to it. Yeah, I th- obviously we're speaking from the outside. We don't yeah. know personally, but. I remember my dad saying years ago when it was leading up to London 2012 and obviously Seb Coe was at the forefront of that and my dad was trying to organise something in Aberdeen it may have been I could be wrong with this if it was the official opening of the Sports Village but it was something you know that was in line with what he Seb Coe was speaking about at the time mm-hmm. with legacy and promoting sport and trying to get athletics mm-hmm. in as many places as, as possible and when my dad inquired through I think it was through Seb Coe's agent if he could come and, and speak at this event and it was ten thousand pounds personally to Seb Coe was the fee. Now, 
is that really is that is that the sort of uh, mentality that somebody yeah. who's promoting legacy and yeah. grassroots sport it, yeah. it's alarm bells and of, of course Absolutely. you know there's a famous interview with John Snow as well where he was interviewed when Diak you know and Seb Cole oh, was yeah. the, the deputy and I think John Snow asked him something like um, you know are, are you corrupt or were you just sleeping on the job and <laughs> it's a fair point it because is, yeah. how can you how can you be unaware of um, it's a different different debate but um, but it feels like it feels like a lot of things are sort of spiralling a little bit out, out of their control and that maybe brings us on well to the the Vaporfly ruling mm-hmm. which is so everyone listeners know we love to talk Vaporfly I find it a fascinating subject the, you know this this huge tech innovation that is changing changing the sport but we, we complained that the IWF waited too long to rule on it. They finally ruled. But it seems a bizarre... There's two parts to the ruling. One on this prototyping and, and availability and the other part on design. The design one, I kind of get, but it seems bizarre that they've gone to... We can talk about the, maybe the availability piece first, that a shoe must be, after April 30th, available on the market for four months before you can an elite can compete in it. Mm-hmm. It seems bonkers. It does. And, you know, like you said, just... Um, before the show where if somebody buys that shoe they're not allowed to at that level they're not yeah. allowed to race in it. It, it there has to be a better way than that and it's massively in favour of Nike of course because of course. you know they're they've got they've got shoes on, on the market now and yeah. so leading up to the Olympics if you're a if you're an Adidas sponsored athlete are, are you you know I'm sure there's a few people thinking well get in touch with Nike absolutely See if I, I can get these shoes. I read an interesting uh, debate on Let's Run, and, and someone was making the point that if you're a, if you're Nike, you can you've a massive machine. But if you're a Brooks or a Saucony uh, type company, there's a couple of those companies have got shoes due to be released in June. Now that's not four months before the Olympic marathon. Mm-hmm. So if you want, if you're let's say you're Saucony and you want Jared Ward or um, Molly Huddle to wear your new shoe, you need to bring it. You need to bring that production forward a month or two months. Mm-hmm. These companies don't have the resources to do that. Yeah. And so now you're in a position, and there's apparently a lot of discussion at USA track and field at the moment of for their athletes to say to encourage sponsors to say to their athletes, we permit you to wear a Vaporfly, which is nonsense. Yeah, and it's you know you do have to question. Nike maybe predicted this sort of thing oh. would happen, and how how involved are Nike in pulling the strings of the sport? Yeah, especially it's, when it's groups like USATF. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's. Um, certainly an interesting one but I, I think I was interested I was reading into Lex Weekly that it's not the first time that this sort of thing's come about because in um, 1957 the world high jump record was broken by a guy stepping off okay. and he had a four centimetre heel on one shoe <laughs> so he, he he literally limped up to the the bar uh-huh. and it worked but it worked and he broke the world record and the record stood but very quickly after they just made a decision that there was strict rules and that, okay. that that wasn't allowed but they seem to be dragging this sort yeah. of decision now you know when, when was it that the Vaporfly first it's been out for well out. we discussed it at the Christmas special a year ago and go. and okay mainstream media has very much got hold of it in the last three four months or mm-hmm. actually since 159 yeah yeah I think that was the tipping point for a lot of people but surely the, 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 you know, the people that are in charge of making rules of the sport why, why do they need to wait until they yeah. blow up on social media or have a big performance they should be they should have their you know, but, eyes on the ball. But you know, Nike weren't. Nike have not even been shy about it. I mean, they. You know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge hypocrite because I've worn the shoe and I, I like the shoe. Likewise. Um, 
But the guy, you know, Nike came out with a shoe break to break two in Monza. They didn't do it. You gotta wonder if they'd broken two then, would this have just happened? Yeah. Have we had a delay so, because they didn't quite break it? You know, maybe was it in Nike's interest that they didn't break two maybe, then? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they've sold a lot of shoes in between then. But it's genius marketing because you've got you go on any any message board now, you've got groups saying, um, oh this shoe this you should brand that shoe because it'll make you faster. People the argument is telling people to make it faster. And I mean you shared an interesting picture with me last week of of a guy in that was in Kenya wearing a Alpha Fly. Yeah, quite a few of them. So yeah. that must be in production. They're, yeah. You know, I'm convinced they will release that shoe. They're going to release yeah. it, and they will put the moral dilemma on the athlete to say, you know, choose it. You know, it's like if you buy a bike that's under a UCI weight limitation, that's on you. Mm-hmm. So if an Alpha Fly is on the shelf, I mean, how are race organisers supposed to track that? I know. Yeah. And it's so interesting to see it, you know, in photos out in Kenya. Now, I saw a tweet or maybe on Instagram from someone saying that they were getting distributed really quite a lot in E10, you know, I guess to sponsored athletes or certainly maybe training partners of, of sponsored athletes. And it's just worlds apart from when I remember hearing a story of um, a guy, Joseph Abuya, who's the same management as Gideon, and he went on to win the World Cross. He, when he first joined in with their group, was running barefoot. Now you've got guys that I mean I didn't recognize recognize those guys in the in the photos. No, no, no. Probably you know young upcoming athletes yeah. in alpha flies, not barefoot alpha flies. It's uh, it's yeah. ridiculous. And actually, from a prototype perspective, one one thing we were discussing before is again if you you know one of the I was reading one of the the best ways to develop a shoe is to put out prototypes and let your athletes run in it. Mm. The let's not forget the original Vaporfly itself was prototyped at the Rio trials for the US. Olympic team and now you've got Cara Goucher claiming she was the first athlete to be cheated out of an Olympic spot by a shoe or mm. by a performance enhancing shoe so if you take if you take your, your smaller companies and you take away that opportunity to prototype shoes that means that you have to put something needs to be ready to go to production if you want to you know straight away and I think it's going <laughs> to it may stifle innovation I think that it's not okay I'm not saying innovation in terms of making stacks higher and more carbon plates but mm. if it stifles innovation and companies don't want to get into the athletics game. That's that could be a, a negative. Absolutely, yeah. And I, you know, to certain, I, I agree. It has to be looked at. You know, you can't have runners running with jetpacks on their back, <laughs> or, or, or you know, huge springs on their feet. But within reason, I think you have to let innovation flow. Yeah. And you know, you don't. It's a little bit tongue in cheek, but you don't. You don't imagine that. Say Kelly Holmes, two thousand and four, when she won Olympic gold. You know, she she's not. If she's been given this new Reebok shoe, which you know at the time felt great, she's not going to say, "Oh well, four years earlier Maria Matola wore, you know, didn't have this technology, so I'm, I'm not going to wear it." Absolutely. I think you have to you have to allow technology to to assist. You know, agreed. Um, and I think the, I guess the concern is if ever is does everyone have access to it? And and now we're in this weird mm-hmm. grey that you're looking at trials and championship events and certain sponsored athletes don't have that available to it. But for me, if everyone has avail is able to wear that shoe I, I really don't have a problem with it and I don't care if, if some 80s hard man is saying oh yeah but I ran 2.29 without that shoe and you're running with that shoe well I'm not comparing you don't compare Kipchoge to Steve Peters or any of these guys yeah, you know my dad would never have done that he just looked I, I watched you know before he passed away I watched Kipchoge and run 159 and he was just inspired you know nice. he was so excited and there was no mention of the shoe if I ever brought up that sort of thing he just sort of didn't pay much attention to it he was just impressed and I think you have to be careful that these sort of debates don't take away from the actual performances. Absolutely. And 
if you see these posts on I was or I am a runner and mm-hmm. I think they just need to cool their jets because it's, Absolutely. you are taking out Gemma Riki it's even been mentioned about the spikes that, that they were wearing and again probably it does need to be looked at but you know Gemma Riki didn't just have this breakthrough or you know it didn't run a world class time just mm-hmm. because of shoes you know, Absolutely. it's not the shoes that's taken her out at 6am 5 mornings a week for training exactly and Kipchoge you know is a, is a great example as well he's had success over two decades yeah um you know without vapor flies and without alpha flies yeah. so and he's, he's beaten the best in the world without them as well so it's um i think yeah you definitely have to be careful to you know imagine put yourself in Gemma Riki's shoes if you if you've just run that british record you're on a high and you've got people saying that oh you oh. wouldn't have done it without the shoes and it's, you'd be pretty t- annoyed I, you know I, for me it's it's almost tantamount to bullying the, some of the stuff that has been thrown around social media and, and i think it's yeah, I, I really, really think it's a nonsense, and I think the some some individuals who are who are pushing it quite a lot are they it's stinks of sort of bitterness. And you know, let's not forget, we're talking about she beat she beat Adele Tracy and Laura Muir, Nike athletes. Yeah. You know, it's it's in that instance you would make the argument that it's a it's a they've all got access to the same shoe. You assume mm-hmm. Andy Young's come out and said the shoe is legit in terms of the design rules as well. Yeah. And you know, I imagine in, in somebody like Gemma Riki's position where. You know, if, when she's running two hundred one, it's probably the equivalent to to one of us running, I don't know, one forty seven, one forty eight. You're not, you're not quite, you're not at an elite mm-hmm. le- the top level, but you're you're on the verge of, you know, approaching um, attracting a sponsorship. So mm-hmm. if you're a full time athlete, and you yeah. saw it, you saw it with Alex Bell, it's a it's a struggle if you don't uh, yeah, get onto course, the yeah. funding. And so you know, are you really gonna? refuse a shoe from Nike yeah. when you're you're off you're being offered money that's enabling you to do the sport that you love absolutely you know? um, well and that's another thing on the you know, again with Sarah Inglis talks about this or Ingles sorry talks about this is you know you're you're racing to get on teams you're racing for selection and as you say on funding if every if you know that all the other girls are going to be wearing it or the other guys are going to mm-hmm. be wearing it why why would you the, the selectors are not going to say oh they ran two minutes slower of a marathon but they didn't have a vape file mm-hmm. you know yeah. that, that you know it's 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 foolish. So anyway, the the ruling is in place now. Basically, it's a forty mil stack. So the next percent and the Vaporfly are are legal shoes officially. The Alphafly is not. There's an Adidas shoe floating around on social media, which looks to have an enormous stack. You've mm-hmm. got to imagine they'll have to cut that back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think you're, what you were saying earlier is right. That essentially you're going to be running in. It's as you are in terms of shoes now for the Olympics. Yeah. There's nothing else that can. I think you can prototype until the thirtieth of April. So. We may see some people in prototypes. I know it was Brooks have scheduled a release of the shoe that Des Linden won Boston in, that mm-hmm. Hyperion, I think it's called. Um, but it's it's interesting. I think we'll get into a place where companies, if you take a spring marathon in April, that means that just means that Nike and all that will release new shoes in January now. Mm-hmm. That, we'll get this weird cycle where you get a January release for the spring marathons and you get a, a June release for the mm-hmm. autumn marathons. Yeah. And that'll be how we work moving yeah, forward. Yeah, it's true. I think my mum's probably relieved because she bought me a pair of the next percent for Christmas. <laughs> nice. You know, they were never going to recall yeah, yeah. those shoes. But, exactly, um, yeah. Yeah, she'll be chuffed that I can actually use them. So, yeah, listeners, give us your thoughts. We've had a few comments from some of you on, on, on our Facebook feed, which is good. And, yeah, we love it. So we'll, we'll continue to track it and and feedback. Now, before we move on to race results, loads going on this week. I just want to give a shout-out to the lads at Pile and Endeavour who have been in touch. Um we have a message from Rob Turner actually, who is who's wanting to give a shout out. Um, basically, what these guys have done, the Palin team have done a, have completed 
a winter Scottish national trail as a relay. There was nine of them, and they ran from Cape Wrath in the very northwest of the country down to Kirk Yeatholm in the borders. 102 hours of running, and that included some bogs, rivers, scrambling, waterfalls, trails, tarmac, you name it. They've done it. And, yeah, a fantastic event. They've fantastic achievement. They've done it in aid of the... The mental health char- charity Sam H, um, and yeah, they've got a website. If you want to find it, you can Google Pile Endeavour Just Giving. You can donate if you like. It's a brilliant effort. Kudos to them, including local local lad friend of ours, Chris Cowley, who's on that team. So yeah, well done to Team Pile, and that's a, a, a really really impressive effort. And Six thousand pounds they've raised already for a great, a great course. Yeah, oh, superb, superb. Right, so we're going to go on to race results now. Um, we've talked a few big ones, but we've got a more local one. Should we start with the Renfrewshire five miler? Yeah, um, tricky to find results. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to say, we had our Haddo cross country last weekend, and it's it's such a it's it's the first thing on my mind when you finish organising the races, get those results because you know people are going to be emailing. I, I hate to think how many emails they've had because it's a bigger race than yeah. you know our Haddo one, but. So you find you get a lot of emails from people saying where are the results? Um, a few, yeah. If they're not straight, really? you know, we've, wow. we've made it clear, you know, at the on the day and in, in literature beforehand that the the results will be online on the Monday morning. And actually, thanks to Jackie, the machine Stuart, they were yeah. on on the Sunday, you know, oh, on the wow. day of the race. And that's, that's what you just, want. Yeah, you have to strive for that. You, you do. Know? In two thousand twenty, you have to. Um, so for them to still not be available, so, um, surprising. But I think. Um, definitely was a win for for Derek Hawkins mm-hmm. um, and going by the photos um, <laughs> which um, were not at the finish but you know during the race it was, it looked like Mike Christorfu in second and then Callum McKenzie in third but of course things can change so on that actually the Scottish Athletics article about Callum's win does have a footnote to say that Derek won the Won the Renfrewshire five miler uh, ahead of Mike Christopher. So okay. there you go. So so your detective work has been validated. <laughs> well, interesting enough, it says Derek's running the big half. So oh, be interesting yeah. how he goes there in London. Yeah, he's um, it's great to see him back. You know, he's had he's oh, had yeah. um, a frustrating time with injuries, and um, you know, I'm sure having his his younger brother is a big motivation. I'm um, sure as well as uh, probably being a little bit of, well, a good, annoying in a competitive way, and it's it's great to see them both flying and. I don't know Callum um, personally, but I remember being on a bus. You know Derek from from when we were under eleven, under thirteen, and sat nice. next to him on the bus down to London Mini Marathon. He's oh, a, sweet! He's a top guy, so it's really. And it's, do you know it's good to see? It's uh, he's got a shot. He's got a real shot at Olympic uh, slot as well, yeah. which is good. It's fantastic for the family. Yeah, oh, amazing. Other results moving local, a bit more local to home. We had the four for multi-terrain half marathon, a race I've never done actually, but a lot of people. Speak highly of it. That was a win for James Britton of Carnethy in 77.43. Second place, Dundee Hawks, Robbie Dunlop in 70.05. And third place, Robert Harrison, uh, unattached, 80.46. On the female side, it was a win for Elspeth Berry in 90.18. Second place, Jennifer Cruikshanks from Fife in 92.29. And running off the podium in third place was Gemma Dolan from Dundee Hawks in one thirty-five twenty-seven. Next, Bucks. Some good performances here. Yeah, there are, yeah. Do you want to take us through them? Yeah. Um, so, ladies race. Um, first place, 
and 46 seconds ahead of second place. Not far, wow. Anna Emily Moller, um, who I think is Danish. She's just she's been in E10 a couple of times. Okay. And just came back um, before this race. Um, I think she was also seventh in the World Championships in the steeplechase in Doha. So Really? Oh, some talent. Euro under 23 cross-country gold as well. Wow, okay. So she's so some talent. Running well. Jess Judd, who's it's good to see her her back. Mm-hmm. Running well over cross-country. She was second. And then third place was Jenny Nesbitt. Jenny Nesbitt? Is that, is that uni? Maybe I'm going to so. get mixed up. I know Jess Judd. I saw an interview with Jess Judd. She's uh, doing a PhD. Yeah, Apparently okay. she's... Uh, I mean, that was her, her swan song. Uh, that <laughs> That's a good result then. Um, and then on the men's side... Impressive time for Mohammed Mohammed, thirty two zero six for ten k ten k cross country. He's almost beaten my road PB. Wow, which is, um, blimey, that is great. <laughs> um, second, so and he he won it. I don't have the result here, but I made a note. I think he won it by over a minute and a half. Um, yeah, you're right. One right, one thirty seven. Yeah, you're right. Blimey. Um, from second place was Joe Stewart, and then third place was. Uh, Jamie Rossiter in the same time as Joe Stewart and now this race has got a bit of a history of close finishes because the previous year was that it was almost impossible to separate them I think it was really Kines and, and, okay. and Deaver oh, um, right, both okay. British Fest as well and I think I could be wrong here but I think Kiris got the win okay. um, and they had had a couple of there was a previous race they'd been they needed a photo finish to separate them as well so yeah good competitive nice. race at Bucks the uh, box and I see it was at Ho- it was a Hollywood Park this year back in Edinburgh. Um, I say back in Edinburgh, it was it was in Edinburgh, and it was a I saw some videos online of it, and it was a real. It sort of made you think, you know, I wish they still had inter districts in Edinburgh. Yeah. Such a great place with a great setting, Arthur's Seat and Haggis Little Haggis Knoll there on the course, sat there on the on as a backdrop. It's a great place for cross country. Yeah. It's a real. I thought Stirling was cool, but it doesn't have the same feel to it. You yeah. know, it's not that. It's a you go to. I don't know. I'm obviously, I'm biased because is that Union Edinburgh really enjoy being there. But I think yeah, it would be amazing if someone could re uh, reignite that. I agree. So that's pretty much us on results. Um, so what we'll do now is we'll move to our uh, interview this week. So Sarah Ingalls, uh, Lothian, Lothian runner, who we've talked about a bit on the show, you know, in great form at the moment. Um, Sarah, somebody dropped off the radar a bit for. A period, yeah, she'll talk about that why, and, and just a really great, fun girl to have on, trains hard, enjoys her running, and yeah, really pleased to see how the sort of shape Sarah's in, and it's a really, it's really cool to hear about some someone who is down to earth, but you know, really is, is taking her running seriously into a new level now, and it's an exciting 2020, so here we go, Sarah Ingalls. <laughs> This week, we've got a, a really special guest calling in from across the pond. We're delighted to have Sarah Inglis on the show, the the one you made, the girl who runs in Canada. So, Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me on. Definitely a highlight uh, in my career so far. <laughs> so, firstly, have I pronounced your surname right? Because that's one debate Kyle and I have had. Oh, no, it's, it's Ingles. Ingles. Like, yeah, I was at this award thing last night and everybody said Inglis. But even like my coach here, he's, for seven years, he's said... English. <laughs> I just never corrected them, so like I just interchangeable is fine. Okay. But Ingles is, is meant to be the right way. Right. We will moving forward in the show. We will we'll we'll use it properly. So, right. So you're you're a Lothian AC runner. A lot of us, you know, all of us on the scene, we're aware of who you are. But you run in Canada, so 
give us a little bit about your background and you know where you're from, but also how you managed to find yourself running and living in Canada. Well, I started at uh, Logan Running Club probably at age of 10, I think. Um, so me and my brother and my sister, uh, we did a bit of Highland dancing before and ended up running that good at that. So mum was like, right, let's on to the next thing. And she had, so mum used to run for Livingston uh, Athletic Club back in the day. So we went along, although we live in Falkirk, um, my mum's side, we have a farm and they help out quite a bit and that's up in Livingston. So I spent quite a lot of time there, uh, like growing up. So we decided to go along to uh, Logan Running Club and uh, Martin Hyman uh, was actually the kind of head, uh, kind of coach there. So we used to go on every Sunday um, up at Deckard Law, where I think like the, the relays and the cross country is. So we'd meet there like eleven o'clock on a Sunday morning, and that's kind of how it started. We'd be in the trees doing relays and hills, and Martin would come up with all these uh, all these games and stuff. So, and he's still like I think Martin might be. I don't, do you know Martin Hyman? I know the name, but I don't know him. Yeah. Well, he's in, like, his 80s, so he's, like, big, like, did all the hill and stuff, and he coached, like, okay. Ian Doran, Scott Fraser, and oh, yeah. those guys, so, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's quite a legend, actually, so he got his, uh, into it, and, uh, I, I initially started doing quite a bit of hill and just, kind of, through Martin, because he wrecked and organised quite a lot of the races, so, I think my, my highest achievement was British champ under 14, I ended up beating my sister, I think, for this, for nice. the title, <laughs> for that. Um, and then since since then I, I ended up going along like on a, on a Wednesday night and a Friday night and it kind of gradually built up there from there so I, that was an, initially the, the, the start of uh, running and then from the age of like 14 I started doing like more kind of roads and track races so like other disciplines and cross country as well and Steve Cotton was our like a he had his daughter ran and he kind of started coaching a little group so he kind of started coaching and we used to go on Tuesdays with him, and he was kind of big, uh, especially in those, like, 30, age 13, 14, 15, and, like, keeping me in the sport. And uh, he made it, he made practices fun, but usually the time it was just me and uh, Robert and, and Mary, like my brother and sister, just hammering each other all the nice. time at the track. <laughs> we were so competitive, so I'm sure we gave him a sore head half the time, but uh, <laughs> we, really, we really did love it. <laughs> And what sort of, you were, I guess you were, you were a track, very much track athlete at that age, track and cross country? I held earlier on and then and Kenny I on at the track and cross country. So I think when I was under 13, I finished at, I remember at Falkirk at the Nationals, I don't know, 20 odds or something. Maybe it was at Irvine, I think, maybe it was Irvine back then, but I was like 20 odds. And then Kenny, each year, like under 15, under 17, I'd like come just outside the top 10 and then eventually I made Nationals, I made the top 10 one year. I think that was against like Jane Kibble. I think I was nine and she was ten. Uh, but those girls, it's all the same kind of girls that are still running today. Like there was Beth Potter and Nicola Hood, and we used to have yeah. like some great, great aces. I remember I think I'm first medals. I think it was under seventeen, under twenty at the nationals, and it was on Calder Park at Falkirk, and it was me, Beth Potter, and Nicola Hood, and we went out and round that back bit, you know, by the high flat. Yeah, I know exactly. And we came back are. along, and I, uh, and I think, oh God, this is like I might have a good chance here actually, like. Winning this, so then it came to the the last home straight, like reaching up like the big ash bits out of the house, and I think I got third actually in the spin finish. But that was my first time kind of meddling, and I think I was like, I don't know, it was under, last year under seventeen going into under twenty. So I kind of like progressed um, through there. My times got faster on the cross country and track, and um, I, I really, I really did enjoy like those races. And at that stage, you know, one of the, you know, thing that I, if I'm honest, I wasn't, I wasn't aware of this until last year when you got your, 
your GBVS last year. We'll come back to it. But you were you won you were fourth at the the UK trials for the World Cross, and you went to the World Cross in the under twenty British squad in two thousand and ten. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That must have been amazing. Yeah, that was like that was kind of like a, a bigger kind of breakthrough at that stage. Before then, I had finished, you know, like just outside the top ten or around that, like the Liverpool races for like Euro trials, and and then that that one year, uh, I do remember at Liverpool. I think it was with, I think it was like Katie Avery, Jess Judd, Beth Potter, all those girls, and I just caught Beth on the line actually uh, to nap her. I think that was probably one of the few times I did ever beat her. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I still remember it clearly. And uh, then that kind of got my my spot in the team. And then I went out to uh, the World Cross in Poland, and um, I think I was fifty second or fifty third in that race with actual race. I thought I ran like like I was ran all right. It was pretty solid. And like my mum and dad, they came out for, to Poland. My dad doesn't come to the mini races, but he loved it out there because they finally got to meet the East Coast Bride Tartan Army. Oh, of course, he's like oh, uh, he was like oh, loving it because they had a good drink and like a good time. He's like, oh, he's fun, and people are actually quite fun. Like. <laughs> Before he thought, well, was it really boring? <laughs> and he goes out and met them. And he, so the whole event, like, that was a really good experience. And then I started to, like, oh, man, I can really compete with these girls at that time. And, uh, and that was probably when I was 18. And I was just going to second year of university there um, at Edinburgh for PE teaching. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, from there, like, I made that team. And then I don't know, it kind of became, like, more, like, the university. I got more placements at school. And that kind of took priority. And then mm-hmm. alongside, uh, like, the actual social side of uh, of uni and, like, started going out quite a bit more when I was, like, 18. And then that kind of, that kind of balance tipped over to that side and uh, I probably just enjoyed the social aspect a bit more. So I was part of, like, the Hayden Hounds there and I did a couple of, like, the Isle of Man trips. And, oh, super. And I was still running and training, like, every day. I trained with, sometimes with the Hayden Hounds and sometimes my club. So I'd go back and forward and, like, I never... I would never really miss any runs or anything like that, but I kind of was kind of stagnant at that point. I never, like, I'd say progressed between the age of, like, 18 to, like, 20 those few years. I never really raced on the track. That kind of took a back seat, and I just kind of enjoyed it, and I went out, and I was going out Wednesdays, but Wednesday night, <laughs> nice. I did a track session, and I got a Wednesday night at, at City in Edinburgh, and went to four in the morning, and then go back up, be back at the track on the Thursday. So it wasn't... Because people are like, oh, you had like a break at that time. I'm like, I never had a break. I just, I, I just never, I wasn't probably as serious as I should have been to try and improve necessarily. But like, I still was, still was running every day, but I was just doing other things at the same time. You know, you, I'm, you, I'm a big believer. You only live once in uni. You're gonna, you're gonna enjoy uni. And actually, it looks like you've come out. I mean, the other, you've come out the other side of maybe not taking it as seriously as you, as you did before or after. And now, if we come to to I mean to now I mean you look at the results you've been getting the last few years in Canada, you know that's uh, that you know I mean, we had more um, Miller on here last year and she was talking about sort of how old how she doesn't think her her legs are as old as she is because she she's she had time when she's been injured or not running so you know I'm, if I'm a big believer that you've got if you've had time when you've not been really really working so hard you you know you've got those are years that will come back to you 17 18 you, like you want it now eh? you want to be like successful like you want to have that being the top d you want to get that gold medal but really like if you're thinking it's hard to think long term though when you're that age when you're under 20 age group and you, you want to have it instantly but and you, that's what i'd have to say like any juniors like you've got so much time like I mean, it's not like the BNN doll. Like if you're not winning that Easter League on Saturday, just like you have to just kind of have a bit of patience. 
And if somebody told me that at that age, I'd be like, ah, like you probably would. <laughs> but honestly, you have, like, you have so much time. Absolutely. So what? So you were at Edinburgh. You were a Harry. You were studying PE. When when did the move to Canada come? So so Laurie Primo, who was head of Scottish Athletics, he um he took the team. I think it was a Delhi Commonwealth Games, and then he, his wife and stuff, never really settled in, in Scotland. So he decided to come back to Canada. He was Canadian, and at that point, it was I think I was twenty, and I was just graduating um, at Edinburgh, and he was saying he's going to. He was going to this university, he was setting up this track team and he was interested in me um, coming out. And at that point, like, I hadn't ran on the track for a couple of years. And I was, but we had been to, like, Portugal training camps when I was, like, 16, 17, so a few years before that. And I don't know, I think he kind of maybe seen potential in me. And he said, like, you know, you, if you're interested, like, you should think about this. But I'd wanted to, I wanted to do my probation year and, like, in Scotland and get my teaching qualification uh, completely finished. So I said to him, like, come back within a year and then we can chat further. So I'd done my probation year at Falkirk High and um, I still ran through it that year, but it was probably even harder because I was in the first year and like full-time working, um, like teaching properly in a school. So again, I was still running continually throughout that time, but nothing, nothing really that serious. Still going to the pub on a Friday night after school and things <laughs> like that. So um, I asked. I so he got back in touch probably like the eighth time of that would be in twenty thirteen, um, and I was just like finishing up uh, my first year probation year, and he said he's like, oh, you still interested? Um, we can fly you out to Canada for a week to visit, and I was thinking, wow, like I've got nothing to lose here, like I might as well go out. I've never been to Canada before, like this is a kind of cool. So um, he flew me out for a week to visit, and I seen I met like the coaches, some of the team, the campus, and you know I was like, Do you know what? I, like, I'm going to gain, like, I'm getting a free master's degree, like, everything was paid for, like, why don't I just go in and, and see, if I'll, uh, see if I like it? And so I ended up signing uh, to say that I would come out. So I finished on, I finished school on the Friday in the, in the, the June, and then I flew out, like, the Monday to Canada, um, and that was, like, seven years ago. It doesn't seem like that, though. It's crazy how fast it's passed. Seven years? So, wow. Mm-hmm. I... But it was great. Like I, I flew out, and most of my uh, master's degree was online. So, like I got a wee job on the gym on campus, and like they sent me out where a place to live with a couple of girls from the team who became like my really good friends. And I, from there, it was uh, the group itself had like a, a bunch of really good athletes, and I don't know. I just, I've, just the consistency in the training there, and like I had never really done like long runs necessarily. Like I think my longest run was sixty, seventy minutes. Uh, up at Decimal Law where I just like <laughs> hammer around these three mile like we call them motorway laps I used to just do two or three of them and that would be my long run so when I first came to Canada the coach was like right so we'll we'll gradually build it up he's asking what I've been doing he's like oh geez like uh, <laughs> we can, uh, well we'll try and build up to a 90 minute long run and I was like 90 minutes what are you having a laugh like that's a, that's a long time <laughs> And so that was like a different concept. And even like tempo runs, I've never, I've never done a tempo. Again, I'd hammer around these laps, but which were probably equivalent to a tempo, but I'd never heard of that word before or whatever that meant. So in terms of training, like it was kind of like eye-opening. Like I realized like although I had been training um, consistent, like back home, this was like a, I don't know, a kind of a different um, mindset, like to kind of gather everything and yeah so then it started it started to pay off just having consistent mileage and gradually building that up and um, having like the team especially the team people your age as well like going your it made it easy it's like tuesday thursday saturday sunday long run 
like it was easy to get into that that routine and building up uh, easy days and that was another thing learning to run slow on off days like I used to run like back home when I was young I don't know how I used to do it but I was like 6 30 6 40 for all my runs like if I was over seven minutes for a mile operation, <laughs> and then now it's like some days I'm running seven thirties to eight minute mile and for my easy days. And at first I was like, how the hell am I going to get faster if I'm going to eat like slower, like on these off days in between sessions? I'm like, how does not make sense? And then the penny started to drop. I'm like, oh, this is actually working. <laughs> and but that took like such a long time. I swear I was like 22 before I re- 23 before I realised that. So. That was right. That's been a change. And what um, I mean, what do you think is the from a cultural perspective? Do you see much difference between you know week on week with uh, in that environment versus what you had in you know Scotland via whether whether it was at Lothian or with the Harrys? What what's the real difference? Is it just a is it a, a more seriousness? Is it a coaching? Is it an attitude? I mean, what what drives that difference? Do you think? I think like the, the whole the team aspect. I know the Harrys have the team stuff, but here it's even at the club, that's like the club competition. But at the university level, it's like it's because we have it at the Canadian system, which is I don't know, it's probably like second tier to the NCAA. Uh, but they still had some very good athletes, and I don't know they, they've emphasised they were really all about the team and um, working towards like certain goals. We have like certain races, so it's not like you're kind of willy nilly just choosing random races. It's like okay, this is our schedule, like this is what we're aiming for. Probably having this, the structure for me and having clearer cut goals definitely helps. Um, I, like, I, I'm sure it is doable to do this uh, if I was back home and have that, that similar similar kind of training and the, the teammates here. I'm sure you could do it either place. But here there is, like the trails and stuff are, there's like dirt trails that go for miles along by the river. We are like close to where I am and um, there is, but I'm sure you can find that back home as well. Honestly, the, the difference culturally at the university, maybe different from the university system, it's a bit more serious, um, probably less drinking and uh, <laughs> the partying lifestyle, i definitely say so. But um, I don't like, I'm sure it can be done both here or uh, back home. And what, so when, when you There's went... There's no to, secret. <laughs> yes, well obviously just hard work, <laughs> I guess. Because when, when you mm-hmm. went, one thing that intrigues me, when you went over there, you know, when you look at your record, there was a lot of... 1500, 3K, 5K, and actually a lot of really cool, I mean, you're at Peyton Jordan, you're at Oregon, um, some really cool uh, cool events, and one thing that's really impressed me in the last few years is your range, I mean, we saw you run a very quick half in Houston a couple weeks ago, so, well, firstly, congratulations on that, amazing. Thank you. What about, so have you evolved through the distances through the last few years, or, or do you, or is that something you're just, you're racing a lot of ranges while you find the the sort of distance that you 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 fit best. I think I we've been doing like fifteen hundred and three um, k's five k's kind of through every every summer kind of season here and up to the ten k. But I have kind of naturally progressed a little bit further. So I, this year I did concentrate like on the ten k and then moving like up into the half now and hopefully the marathon either this year or next year. That's the that's the plan. So I think naturally I have kind of progressed. A little bit further, like through the distances, but I still want to see if I can. I want to see if I can break four ten for the fifteen on the track. I got I ran four eleven and I ran four twelve for like a few years. I'm like, oh, well, if I ran four or something, I'm like, that's fine. Fifteen hundred. But and even the three k, I want to. So I still have goals like break nine and then get my five k because obviously like faster to go at those times that will help the other events. So I'll look maybe 
some point in the year to see if, maybe I don't know this year's going to be harder if I'm really focusing on the 10 but I might try and dip down for a few uh, shorter distances because you're when I look at last year I mean right, let's Houston is January so we're going to we're going to bump we're going to call that last year as well so you've run a 411-1500 you've run what do you run over 10k 32 35 was it 32 uh, 32 11 32 and then you're 70 54 sorry 70 24 over the half I mean that is that's mm-hmm. a, that is a some range um and one one thing I've a couple of things that have impressed me I didn't realize until recently also Scottish 5k champ a few a couple of years ago and you were also you were second at the Canadian 10,000 meter champs mm-hmm. I just this year yep or last year 2019 and how do you, I guess you don't count in the Canadian champs, or do you? Because you've been out there so long. No, everybody always makes a joke about that. But no, I, I, I didn't count the results. They just like, they put a wee asterisk next to my name usually. So, But because I've been here for long enough, people are always like, oh, are you going to like become Canadian? But I'm like, I can't talk like this and then go and interview in the Canadian TV and they'd be like, I think you see that big. So, yeah, <laughs> I think I definitely... Like my heart's still representing Scotland and like the UK, so nice. I don't think I'll ever going to jump ship. Nice, I'm glad to hear it. So if we, so you know, let's talk about last year and the ten thousand. I mean, you obviously you were selected for to run for Great Britain at the the Highgate Harriers, the night the ten thousand meters. That was you know a very well deserved on a, a you know based on a really really a quick ten k. How how did you find that experience? Oh, that was. That was I. was amazing. I'd been in Highgate like a few years ago, um, but this time coming, like being as part of the team and like the atmosphere was crazy. And like uh, quite a few of my friends and like my boyfriend from Canada, he flew over. Like my mum and like the whole family came down. So it was like the atmosphere was was crazy. All the lights and like the noise. Was, I've never experienced anything like that before. And I don't know if that kind of got to me a bit, but like the the race itself, we did go out quite hard in the. I, like the pace was meant to go whatever the blue or I think it was a green and red like I think the green light was like world champ standard and then Olympic standard was the red light and we got told before that the entire field was going to be paced through just at the world standard but then I think some of the Kenyan pacers got mixed up with the lights and they actually went out Olympic standard which was 30 seconds faster so I thought okay well I'm sticking with like this Kenyan group because they're going at you know, they're going to go through, like, 15.55 or whatever, through 5K. And I was running, and I was thinking, Christ, I feel like we're really moving here. And it's because we were, we're on fucking 31.25 pace. <laughs> so, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm getting dropped through this pace that, like, felt relatively comfortable a few weeks ago. I'm like, oh, no. And then I see halfway, and I'm like, oh, God, we go through 15.50. I'm like, and they're way ahead. I'm like, what's going on here? I'm like, they're definitely not on the same pace. And I was actually ahead of that world champ standard light. And then wow. I don't know if it was just because I went off a bit faster by the last 5K. Oh, my God, that was so hard. And I ended up dying. Folk were just coming by me. And it was the nicest experience. I think, like, there, if you're having a good day and you've got all those folk there cheering and whatever, it's brilliant because that just encourages. But that last 5K, oh, my God, it was just hard. Folk, uh, people were, the noise and everything, I was, this was not an enjoyable <laughs> for the last bit but I don't know it's like another good experience and now I know like for, hopefully for next year what to expect um, and I'll kind of be at, like used to it I suppose to an extent so would you would you run that I guess you'll hopefully we'll see you running Highgate again I'll do Highgate aye this year again mm-hmm. oh nice very but, nice uh, I think it's a bit late I think it's like June is it June aye, 6th of June or something like that so it's a bit 
Sorry, and I guess that'll double as the uh, British trial. The, I mean, probably British champs and Olympic trials. Is that something? I mean, is that something you've got half an eye on? I'd say I've got like an eye on that, but that standard like thirty one twenty five. He was bloody fast, so yeah. So we'll see. Like even because I think like when I'm at thirty two eleven, because it used the standard used to be with thirty two fifteen, and I, like any other years I would have had like Olympic and world standards, and then I just really like bumped that down. Yeah. So I don't know with the whole like qualifying system, it's a bit complicated because I think they're expecting to half the field. I think there's like twenty seven or twenty eight women who'll get selected and half the field they're expecting to run the standard and then the rest of the field are going to be made up like with these world rankings and points mm-hmm. so even if you didn't hit standard there's still some kind of chance that um, if you run as close to it as possible you might get selected as far as I know okay. so I don't know I'll just see if I can break 32 and then see if I can get as close to that as I can then um, that would be the that would be the ideal scenario. Well, I mean, you look, if you look at your times over 10k, 5k, and half, and, and half over the last three years, everything is going is getting quicker. So the the fingers crossed that that trend continues, and you and you get and you get down to that sort of time. Second half of the year, then. So you've moved. Right, you've, be... We've seen you head towards the half then in Houston. What was what was the was that just a, a fan, you fancied stepping up? And I guess that your long runs are more than 90 minutes now for that. I don't know, up to two hours. <laughs> nice. I'm used to that now. Now I'm like 90 minutes too short. But uh, I, for Houston, uh, we had an Iron like World Half team, um, and that's like 31st of March this year in Poland. Oh, yeah. So there was a big bunch of Canadians going down, and then I thought, I, was, I knew the course was meant to be pretty like flat and fast, so um, I got all my flights and stuff booked, and then I ended up just managing to get elite entry. The standard was crazy. There were just so many folks, a bunch of all those Kenyans at 66, 67 minutes, and then all the top Americans. So even to like getting to the field, I was quite quite, quite happy. And then the target was to see if I could run. Um, I don't know, like off my training, I was like capable. My coach was like, "Oh, you can run 70 or like sub 70." So there was a pace group going at like 69, 30, and it was actually like because the marathon, the half marathon, and the marathon start together. So we met this guy who was pacing the men's um, Olympic qualifying standard, which was 2.19. So he was he was looking to go through like 69.30 pace. And the course runs, the half marathon marathon runners are together until like seven miles. So ah, okay. we decided like we'll get on this group at uh, 69.30 pace. And there was another group going at 70.30 pace. And I said to my coach like the night before, I was like starting to like get a bit there. So I was like, maybe I should just go with like the 70.30 group. He's like, just get on, <laughs> get on the 70.30 group and just, like see how it goes. So I managed to. I sat on just off that group. I was like hanging on for fucking dear life half the time. <laughs> I felt, and I know we went through like ten k, thirty two, forty, and I was like, that a few years ago, I'd have been happy to do ten k and finish it that. And I'm like, oh, I've still got seven miles to go here. So, um, and then I was on pace till about I don't know nine miles, and I and eight miles we st- we caught up. Like there's like a bunch of Americans like Molly Huddle and. Um, another couple of girls and I was like, oh man, imagine if I was starting to like, imagine if I can like, beat Molly Huddle here, this would be magic. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and, and this was about eight, eight miles or so and I'd taken a wee gel at six miles and I think I was like feeling all good for that. And then literally a mile and a half later, probably nine and a half miles, uh, I hadn't been looking at my watch but I just looked down to see, it started to I was like, I looked down to see how many miles were it. So nine and a half off, it's like still got about three and a bit to go. And I was like, oh no. So the wheels were starting to come off a wee bit. And then I had this like headwind as 
well, which didn't really help things. And their group had got a lot smaller because the marathon had like cut off. So, um, and one of the girls here, a trainee, uh, Natasha Warak, she actually got the, the Canadian record. She ran 69.42, wow. I think. And she was saying to me, she's like, come on, Sarah. Like, she was like, tell me I got on the back of her. So she was encouraging me, um, trying to help me. And then they kind of like, they pulled away and I was kind of just battling basically for the last like 5k. Um, and I knew it was probably going to be close. I was going to be around 70 minutes, but I did slow like probably 10 seconds to a mile. I did lose a bit of time in that middle 5k section. Then I kind of rallied for the last mile, but, um, I, it was it was a good reason like to take that much time off my my PB. I was still like I was like oh I want more. You always want more, but I was like you know what I'll, I'll be happy with what that is. Um, and then hopefully now that will be good enough for for the world half. But I don't know. There's a bunch of folk doing Barcelona, and the trial race is you know the big half yeah, in the big London. Half. But like I'm a I'm a teacher out here as well, so I I can't just take time off to like fly to London and then. So I was like oh it's going to be too much for me to. Um, like you know, fly to London and, and come back and go back to work, and then I'll then if I do make the team, it's like I fly again in like three weeks' time to Poland. So I don't know, kind of putting their eggs in one basket and hoping that time I'll be fast enough. And if it's not, it's not, it's not like a huge deal, but um, I hopefully I'll, I'll be all right. Well, I mean, it's it's an incredible run. Not only you know uh, what you number three on the Scottish All Time list. I mean over, mm-hmm. over half, uh, which yeah. is I mean that that's that is absolutely incredible. And then when I look at the UK rankings this year, albeit early, but I mean only Steph Twelve's gone quicker. You know I think uh, we'll you know we've already had Seville, so um, yeah, fingers cro- fingers crossed for you because that is and you're well under the standard. Um, one mm-hmm. something you mentioned there was interesting about you know you're obviously your full time your full time teacher, you're still competing at such a top level. What's it? How, if we take the Houston recently as an example, what's a typical training week like for you, and how do you manage that around a full time job? Well, I'm te- well, technically not full time. I'm three days a week, so I'm like, okay. And then the other two days, I kind of supply teach. But in like in like September, October, November, when I wasn't racing as much, I was working like every day. But this year, like I'm at Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'm at, like work days, and then Monday, Tuesday, I can. Like, I can, like, work if I want it kind of thing. Um, but, like, typically, I usually actually run to school. So I have, like, a wee backpack on. I do the run commute. My school that nice. I, I teach at, it's only, it's, like, four miles away. So it's actually pretty nice for, like, morning runs. But, like, on a Monday, I'll do, like, 60 minutes in the morning. I try and get my longer run done in the morning, like, before school. And then I'll say I teach. And then we're done at, like, half, two, three o'clock here. So that isn't actually that late. And I'll do, like, a 30-minute after. And Tuesdays, 30 minutes in the morning, and then we'll do, like, some kind of track workout. So right now it's, like, a bigger volume, so it's, like, five, six times a mile or five times 2K off two minutes, um, something like that. And Wednesday's another 60-minute run in the morning, 30 minutes at night. Um, and then Thursday, about 30 minutes in the morning, and then some kind of, like, tempo work usually up to, like, 40, 50 minutes of tempo or hills or something like that. And Friday's another 60, 60 30 double Saturday, um, either Temple Hills or sometimes we go back on the track, uh, and that'll be another double at night, 30 minutes, and then up to two hours on a Sunday. So really, I've been like probably consistently since like coming off track season since September, probably hitting like 90 to 95 miles a week, like consistently, nice. like week in week out, um, from then until uh, until now. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's definitely the, the, the training, like after you put the work in, it, it doesn't really come that like, necessarily easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I think that yeah, that is a that's solid mileage, and yeah, you're clearly putting the work in. The results are coming out. I think the word you use there consistently. I, I'm a big believer in that. You know, if you're you 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 hit it consistently, you put the work in, the results will come, which is uh, clearly they have done. So, what motivates Sarah Ingalls then? What motivates me? Oh, I don't know. I said like even last year when I done I done like this five k road race and I ran like fifteen. I got around like fifteen twenty nine or whatever, and like I ran like basically a minute faster than I had done like the year before. And I was like, do you know what? I finished the race. I'm like, oh, it's brilliant. I had like a good time. I ran the race, and I was like, but at the same time, you know, I still feel like I ran the year before. I was still happy with that, and like I don't know if it's necessarily how as fast as I run this. I'm I'm happy. Like I just I I enjoy racing and competing and, and it's nice it's like a nice bonus to run faster and get all these like results and, and to make these teams but I don't know I've always stuff that always been I Dave just loved actually running and the training and like that process the process of like getting better and um, and like sometimes you always get hung up on the the results and but I don't know I've realised like the ups and downs of like running because there's been hundreds of times where I've had like crap races and like and those highs are like few and far between sometimes. So I, I think if you put everything on just wanting to have these good races and sometimes you, I don't know if you necessarily like, can enjoy it, like the actual training and like you weigh everything on just being that like successful. So I, don't know, I think the motivates me is just the training and pushing myself to try and get better, not necessarily like, all leading on the results because you kind of control what other people do and make mm-hmm. these teams and stuff. So kind of just enjoying uh, the training part of it. But more so that's for me anyway. Mm, nice. And what about so future goals then? I mean, we've talked a bit about hopefully we'll see if there's a it'd be amazing if there's a selection for the the world half champs. You've talked a bit about the Highgate um, ten ninety ten thousand as well. Marathon's been mentioned. So, so what does twenty 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 one? What does that hold for you? Well, this year, well, hopefully world half, um, and then I'll go out to Pete and Jordan and try and run a fast ten k. I know a few of the British girls they're coming out for that race as well. So see how Peyton Jordan goes, and then I'll come back for Highgate for the Olympic trials. Um, and then, I suppose, it all kind of depends on that for the rest of the season, if, uh, what happens there. And then there's, I think, like, Europeans are in Paris uh, the end of August. So, yeah. I know, if the Olympics doesn't work out, then that's like, kind of like another option. There's a there's a 10K and there's a half marathon option there in Paris. So it looks, Is there? So that'd be quite cool. Um, so that takes you up to, like, probably the end of the summer. Then after that, I'll be back to probably some cross-country and... Um, or uh, potentially choosing some kind of marathon at some point oh, nice. in, the, in this like autumn time. And what uh, with with regard to marathon, are any that particularly uh, catch your your eye? I mean, you know, you've got a couple of quick ones out in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is like Toronto that's here, um, and that's kind of like Octoberish time. Um, and then I don't know if that if that Disney I don't know if it Disney pan out. Then probably like I don't know the following year, maybe London in the springtime. Nice. Very nice. No, that's exciting. I'm looking, I mean, it's, uh, as I say, your results these days are just, it's great to see them coming in and it's really exciting to see what's coming up uh, coming up next. So before before we let you go, Sarah, we're going to rattle out some fart-like questions, if that's all right. Okay, I go for it. Right, so, ready, right, I'll crack on then. So, cross-country, road or track? Right now, I'd say road. I do enjoy the road races. Pre-race meal. Um, but like the night before, probably, you know, something pat like either pasta, salmon, rice, something kind of plain, but uh, still like filling up enough energy for the next day. 
Favorite movie? Oh, either I'm a sucker for like Love Actually or The Holiday or something. Oh no! <laughs> oh dear, you sound like Mother Half. Favorite race? Probably uh, Boulder Boulders, so the 10K. The Boulder. I've been out there a couple times, and uh, like I did a couple training camps out there with like Steve Jones and his wee group. Oh, cool. And the, the, towards the end of it, it's like I think it's in May. It's like the long weekend in May uh, there. Maybe I don't know, around the 20th of May, I think it is. And it's great. It's like, as I look at it, it is really hard. The the 10K course, it finishes up. You finish on that uphill towards, like, um, the University of Colorado, like, track, like, indoor field kind of thing. And there's, like, 40,000 people, like, in the stands. Um, Oh, nice. I've always just said there's, like, a kind of like a civilian race, like a mass race where everybody does it, and then the, the elite race of, uh, goes later on. So I've always just done the civilian race, and then you finish it, and you, you get to go and watch like the elites coming later. But usually I've done like two laps there. But this race, is, it's crazy. There's people who have like like slip and slides in that so-called dive water, of course, going to slip and slide. We are, on the second lap, we just usually run around for banter, and folk are giving you like jello shots and like... <laughs> You can go. We actually ended up in somebody's like garden. So you're on the race course, and there's a lineup coming, like a queue coming out from somebody's house. And the back, the back of their house is attached to this basically runs through the streets. And they've got a keg. So folk who are actually genuinely like doing the race were going and taking like a chug for this keg, and then <laughs> rejoining the race. It's mental. Wow, I've just so pulled like, up. It's fun to like race that, then go in for like a banter lap after. So nice. that's definitely one. Like if you ever get a chance to go there. Just definitely do that. Nice. That is that is a unique answer for that question. I've just got the website up. That looks pretty sweet. We'll put that on our on our to do list. Um, where am I? Rest day or recovery run? Oh, recovery run. I'm not a fan of the rest day. <laughs> I <have to laughs> take a rest day. Edinburgh Uni or Trinity Western? Oh, for being a student. For the <laughs> there's two different answers. For being a student and learning like that lifestyle and. Like being eighteen, nineteen, definitely like Caden House, Edinburgh. But if you really want to run really fast, then probably Trinity Western. That's a that's a pretty fair answer, I think. Um, <laughs> morning shuffle or evening saunter? Morning shuffle. I like getting like out in the morning, getting my longer run done, and then usually at the end of school, like after being with the kids all day, I'm like tired, and I just usually trot home. So I try and get my long. I definitely in the morning. What age group do you teach out of interest? Uh, well, right now I'm doing elementary, so like primary school, so like age six up to 12. Okay. So the younger younger kids. Now, here we cross-country club and stuff as well. Cool. I coach there after school. Nice. And it's, Va- it's Vancouver you're based in, isn't it? Yeah, Vancouver. So I'm actually in nice. Langley, which is about 40 minutes outside of like downtown Vancouver. Nice. Running hero. Oh, running hero. Probably Liz McCoggan. Nice, good like answer. I grew up being like Liz McCoggan, she had a little like I don't know, it's like a little Liz McCoggan endurance group, and she used to have like I don't know a couple of times a month you'd meet up and she'd take you through like some training sessions and like the the bunch of girls that were in like in that kind of team thing that she'd go on, um, like are all mostly still running today. So I don't, know, I think I definitely Liz. Favorite beer. Oh. That's a hard one. So I had a wee beer last night. We 
I don't know. I think you say like a Heineken or something. Maybe that. Maybe Heineken, yeah. I was expecting something, uh, a nice Canadian IPA or something. That's really disappointing, that answer. Um, Sorry, there are loads of Brady's in here, but I think a lot less these days, so I can't really answer that. Right, that's a good answer. Favourite distance? Favourite distance? Oh, I'm going to say 10k right now. Nice. Post race treat? Uh, probably a beer. Or a glassy wine, you know, uh, something. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite shoe? Well, do you know what? I have I have been wearing the old uh, old next percent. Good. Uh, I did wear that for the for the race. I never trained in the race. I, like, do you know we were talking about that, like whether, like, I, there's part of me in Houston because I don't know my training. I've got all my, I don't know my time sessions, and he's all oh, you're in this kind of shape. Like I wanted to just wear like you're running the old trainers just to see what I would run. Mm-hmm. But then you're in, in the position where like the rest of the girls who are going to be trying to make this world half team are probably going to be wearing some kind of carbon plate shoe. So I'm like, well, I don't know. Do you want it? Like you're really shooting yourself in the foot if you, if you didn't wear them and you can't even get it. But I would like to do another race just just to see. It the difference because yeah. I know there's the science in that behind it but I don't know about it it's placebo a wee bit you put the one hand Christ I'm going to run fast but you still need to be fit to obviously run in the shoes absolutely but um, I had that that's what I wore for the race so I'd, I'd go for that nice no you're preaching to the converted I think it's it's a great shoe but you've still got to be in shape to, to deliver so quite right mm-hmm. um, worst race experience oh, worst race experience man I've had a few Belters in my time. Oh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the worst. Honestly, Highgate. I was about to say that was the worst experience, but the last five k was brutal. Because I'd probably say, like from like this, like from the closest memory, it probably would be probably would be Highgate. The, just the last five k Highgate this year or last year. What I love on your power ten, they give you a split for your five k um the first bit, oh, no. so it actually shows. Highgate Harriers, night of 10,000 metres, 1553 for the 5k split, and then it gives you your 3252 uh, for the night. So, what's that? That's like a 17 minute second half? Is that right? Aye, over yeah. 17 minutes. Aye, I just think like it was faster through my half than I was in that actual race. That's <laughs> crazy. Nice. Um, oh, God. Favourite place to run? I'd say Boulder, Colorado. Like, all the trails are in there. Oh, they're so nice and like endless, and like I've been up to Flagstaff as well. I um, I don't know, it was a few years ago, but I think Boulder just is, is better. Nice. But like, there's one trail. It's um, it's called Poor Man's. Uh, Poor Man, I think it's Poor Man's Road. It is, and it starts from like, like we start from Steve Jones's house, which is kind of like, like it's in like Boulder. It's kind of sent to Boulder, and it takes you like up through this canyon, and it's like seven miles of climb through this canyon, and the last mile is like freaking vertical hill, and you go up to about 8,000 feet. <laughs> Honestly, that's my wow. first long run there, did that run, and it's like a love-hate, because you think about it beforehand, and you're like, oh god, this is going to be so hard, but then once you get up to the top, then you have like a, the last like half hour is downhill as you come back in, and that's when you can kind of enjoy it, but that's, for a specific run, that's probably one that, I every time I go back, I try and run there. Nice. And lastly, when are we next going to see you compete in Scotland? In Scotland? Well, if I'm going to come home for a couple of weeks because it's spring, like Easter holidays um, here. And if I, if I make World Tafts, I'll be back. Uh, so I'll probably be running in Scotland uh, um, probably mid-March time. But for competing, 
I'll, I'll be back this summer, so I'll probably find some kind of ace. I normally do the relays, that, like, every, because I used to come home like, every year, and I always end up coming home around Easter holiday time for the for the National Road Relay. Oh, cool. So I'm running for loathing for that. So I don't know, I'll need to, like, have a little look and see, but uh, if that's a possibility, then that would be nice. Excellent. I look forward to seeing some results then when you're back. Well, listen, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. It's been it's been great to have you on. I'm sure the listeners are really in, uh, interested to hear all about your background in the last couple of years, particularly. And, you know, good luck for this year. Really excited to, to hopefully see these big results coming your way and hopefully a couple more international vests uh, following these trial events. Right, thank you so much. Cheers for having me on. No problem. Right, we'll speak to you soon and hopefully we'll see you at the Livingston Relays then. Yeah, I hope so, yeah. Right, cheers, Sarah. All the best. Okay, thank Thanks. you. Thanks, bye, bye. Brilliant. Thank you, Sarah, again for coming on. It was uh, it's brilliant. We look forward to hearing how these various goal races go for you. So, Miles, running rants. Can, is aqua jogging allowed? Yeah, go for it. Yes. So obviously, this is excellent. <laughs> please go for it. With, with being injured recently, it's um, I've spent quite a bit of time in the pool, and uh, there there's nothing worse than with aqua jogging. For I'm sure a lot of the listeners know you know what aqua jogging is, but for those that don't you know your work you've got the flotation belt on your feet are not touching the bottom and yeah. I think some people do it stationary some I prefer to do it moving it's yeah. a little bit more interesting and uh, you're grafting underneath the pool you know, you're <laughs> really you're knackered but you're not moving fast so you you, yeah. know, you look like you're just out for a saunter and I'm regularly getting passed by old ladies doing this <laughs> with little to no acknowledgement um, really? <laughs> and also the odd strange look thinking you know, <laughs> what on earth are you doing um, so if there's any old ladies listening out there who do do breaststroke Aberdeen Sports Village pool um, so what would what do you want from them then do you want them to give you a keep going those, keep going you yeah can do a little it. bit but I think also you know that, that nod of respect you get when you're out running yeah, and you yeah. a fellow runner so yeah. sometimes there's, there's no interaction but usually there's yeah, that yeah. you know nod and I would like that okay you... Aberdeen Sports Village so. what, do you go in the slow lane I do yeah okay yeah, it's uh, I, I try to accommodate the other ladies and the others as best as possible in that right. I don't, you know, because you're going quite slow and, and yeah, yeah. for people to continually, continually overtake, it's annoying. So I do sort of try and turn okay, around right. again and just make sure that... Um, I, you're not getting in the way, yeah. yeah. But I think if they can see you grafting, that, I mean, that's the problem. That you want them to see you want them to see you grafting or realise you're grafting to then say, I don't mind going around this guy because he's breathing out his arm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I think they just think I'm floating. So. <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 yeah, or, I mean, I've always had that paranoia. People look at you and they think like you're, you're, maybe you're scared of the water and you're learning to well, swim. That's what it is when you first come into the pool. Yeah, yeah exactly. you're strapping up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just kind of look to the sky because you, I'm aware that people are looking thinking, yeah. oh, yeah, it's good. He's, he's learning how to swim. <laughs> what you need to do next time is get lowered into the pool with your belt on, <laughs> with that like arm. I always finish. I'm always like really paranoid. I finish it with like a couple of lengths just to, show, just to show I yeah. can swim here, folks. Yeah, I do that regularly. <laughs> Very good. I like it. Um, right. So moving on, uh, as I said to you just before, so TRS run the week. You're gonna we're gonna let you choose this one as uh, as guest host. So who do you who are you gonna? It's a tight one this week. It is tight. Really and, difficult. And obviously um, Brian Morseman with his seventy <laughs> should be considered. Um, but I think you know on balance, Gemma Riki. I think that's a good call. I think you know it's a, a significant improvement. 
British record. Yeah. Um, I think if you know if Callum had, had dipped under the sixty, that would have been a tougher uh, yeah call to make. But you know, arguably maybe even still, Gemma Riki. I think it's just fantastic to. Yeah, um, I think I, I I agree. It's hopefully the start of an exciting year for her. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, congratulations, Gemma. I'm sure that you're. I'm sure that Gemma Riki listens to this. Um, <laughs> Possibly not. Uh, Kyle Kyle's gonna be furious when he discovers he's not he's he's run this week. He's not featured on the Toronto of the week. <laughs> you need to you need to go faster next time, Kyle. Just need to beat Brian Morrison. Exactly. Great. Well, thank you for that, Miles. So upcoming races, just to give you guys a flavour of what's coming this weekend. It's the National Masters Cross Country in uh, Johnson on on Saturday. So good luck to all the vets heading up that way. Uh, we also got the Carnegie Harriers Davila Forest 15k trail race. I believe you can enter that on the day, so head up. And we've got the BA Cross Country, which I believe you've run before. Last year, Last yeah. Last year, it was it was a great event. I really nice. recommend it. Um, okay. Interesting course, you know. It's really up and down. Um, is that entry on the day? Probably is. BA Stores. Yes, I'm pretty sure it's entry on the day. Um, Inch Trail Running Club do a great job of organising it, and um, I know they're. They're hoping to have a, a bigger turnout, although it was a good turnout last year as well. I had planned to do it, I didn't been injured. But, oh really? Oh um, shame. It was a it was a good one last year. I think Sam and it was myself, Sam oh, that's and right, yeah. we're all running it and there's a tank on the course as well. Which is, is there? Yeah, okay. So it's a, it's an unusual course. There you go, listen. So if you're in the Aberdeen area and you fancy or in the northeast you fancy a, a cross country, get yourself down to the BA Stores Cross Country event. And I think that's pretty much it. The other thing I want to put a shout out is, if we get this out on time, is that the it is now the 4th of February and National Cross Country entries close on the 6th. So if you want to run the National, get in touch with your club manager, secretary, captains and get in, uh, get involved. It's uh, one of the best days on the, on the calendar. Miles, thank you for joining us this week. It's been a pleasure to have you on. No, it's been my pleasure. Thanks very much. It's a treat to have someone on who knows what they're talking about, about <laughs> athletics, and can offer some insight and commentary. So you'll be, you're definitely welcome back. Um, listeners, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, ask us anything, any questions you've got for Miles, we can pass them on to him. Our website is tartanrunningshorts at gmail.com. The website is www.tartanrunningshorts.com. Facebook, we're at tartanrunningshorts. On Twitter, we're at tartanshorts. So... With that, um, Miles, good luck. Hopefully the injuries improve and you can get back to some training. Thanks very much and stop getting overtaken by, by old ladies. Old ladies in the slow lane, yeah. yeah, well, you're going to have to continue that because you've got your day of cross-training you've committed true. to. Yeah, I so might have to that might be the secret to, uh, to New York. So we look forward to tracking the New York story. We should, let's come back on in the summer. You can tell us how it's going. Hopefully with my training, yeah. That with, with a consistent block. And listeners, have a good week, and we will speak to you next week when Kyle will be back for what will, I mean, strap yourself in, it'll be a rambling, you've got, you know he's got a hell of a story, so have a nice week and we will speak to you next week.